Welcome to episode 353 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright guys, welcome along to episode 353 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going mate? I am good Bevan, and you? I'm fant- I'm on top of the world John. On top of the world? Top of the world to, to you. Top of the morning to you. Is it morning is it? I thought it was top of the morning to you. Top of the, well, I'm, top I, I know, I'm asking you. Yeah, I think it is. Did you get drunk on St Paddy's? No. Have you ever? Like, you know, other no, than the fact it was really. a Saturday night? No. Mm. No, have you? No. 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 Good start to the show. <laughs> that was insane. Great start to the show. What, tell you what is an interesting thing. It's dark, John. Look how dark it is it's now. It's dark and it's cold. It's 6, what, 7 a.m. in the morning right now. We've been doing, we did a show, an interview before, sorry. And uh, and it's dark and cold. Winter's just suddenly hit. It has. It's been, leaving today, though. Is it? It's, yeah, it's coming back. It's coming back later. Come it's holiday again, is it? Yeah, oh, coming that, back later. I'm talking proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofhawaii.com. Oh, I was going to make you a coffee before I coffee this morning. Were you? Yeah, I forgot. Very nice. Yeah. I'll do that for you next week. Good. Athlinks.com. Uh, you got any more results up there? Uh, no, I haven't raced since last time. Mm-hmm. No. And Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer for endurance athletes. Okay, guys, on this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a Coach's Corner. Just a brief one, yeah. Just a brief one. We've got a couple of interviews. Tell us about that, John. So we've got Gary Rothenbauer um, from the Triathlon Industry Association in the UK just to talk about a few stats and stuff they're doing over there. Um, and also got Craig Sherritt, who is the guy who's helping me out with my bike program at the moment. Plenty of people are asking questions about what the hell am I doing in terms of all my cadence work, um, in terms of the different power work that I'm doing. Apparently there's even a, a thread on Gordo's forum. What the hell is John Newsom doing with his training, all this cadence work? John, and, uh, so we talk a bit about you're that. all everybody ever talks about. I know. Although I gave you an email this week, I, said, I thought I'll go check out John's training, see mm-hmm. how he's gone, because mm-hmm. you know, and I couldn't remember the website, what's it, coachjohnproject2014.com. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'll go to Coach John's website. Yeah. Went to Coach John's website, where's the link, mate? Will you go there now and see if there's a link there? Oh, well, I'm sure there is, because I, 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 I sent you an email. No, I think you're lying. <laughs> there was always a big logo and link there. <laughs> there was no logo and link. <laughs> Didn't know where to go. Luckily, I, I did a Google search, and you turned up that way. Good. Anyway, news. Oh, then we've got some questions and answers at the, at the end. Uh, news is up first, and first of all, we had Los Cabos on last weekend, and interesting it was, race. It was the inaugural Los Cabos race. Um I thought times might have been a bit quicker there. I didn't. I mean, we looked at the course um, profile last week, and it didn't look like it was particularly difficult. I guess that the the, um, the swim I'm, I'm picking was a non wetsuit swim, so the swim times are generally quite slow. You had uh, the fastest guys, Mark Twelsit, coming out in 49 minutes, uh, 49 and a half minutes, versus say a Taupo where we saw guys like Bevan Doherty coming out in 45 minutes. Mm. So a few minutes to be lost there. Bike times, you know, are looking around about the sort of 4:40 mark for for you know the, the the good pro guys and then the run sort of um you know um a couple of guys ran t- high 248 so i guess it was mainly that swim if you chopped you know four or five minutes off that swim um the time sort of come down a bit but timo brach took it out pretty comfortably yep. in 826 he swam 53 rode his way through the field up towards the lead in fourth of 37 and then uh finished it off with a 251 so he won by around about seven minutes from 
Trevor Desault, who I've never heard from before, who's from France, and Joseph Major, who's a bit of a bit of a veteran out there. Um, both those guys had pretty poor swims, and uh, you know, more or less matched um, Timo Brach's times for the bike and run, but uh, lost the time in the swim. So second was uh, 8:33 for Trevor Desault, and third was Joseph Major in 8:33. Really, um, quite close racing over, over there for fourth, fifth, um, and sixth. Yeah. Only four second, uh, forty seconds between Jeff Simmons, who was my pick before last week. I said, look out for him. He was the guy who I thought got on the podium at the seventy point yep. three world twenty years ago. Yeah, twenty years ago. He had eight thirty seven, so it's not a bad debut. Um, just in front of Mike Twelsickle, just caught him on the run. Uh, who was eight thirty seven forty three. So overall. Um, you know, when you look at the uh, you know the top uh, top six, you know, pretty pretty close racing. Um, second through through sixth, only six minutes covering that. So, um, you know, six minutes not a lot of time. You explode, you can lose six minutes pretty quickly. Um, so, all in all, it was a pretty strong field. I don't know where um, old uh, Luke McKenzie was was up there at some stage, and I think there must have been a couple other guys that um, bombed out. Paul Amy, I can't see his name on the list either, and he was. Did uh, he start? Paul Amy definitely did start because yep. he was he was right amongst it. Um, when, did you go check it out? Did you? Uh, yes, Paul Amy didn't finish. And McKen- what's the cost of not finishing, John? <clears throat> you know, you think about these guys and uh, they t- turn up to races and they don't finish. And Luke McKenzie did not finish either. You know, like you, you'd have to invest a few thousand dollars to do a race, wouldn't you? For the pros, yeah, yeah, you would. Um, so there's, there's quite a big cost. I mean, I guess. You got two costs there. You can go well. I'm not going to finish. I'm going to move on to my next race. But still, as you said, you know, just to get there, these guys will not be getting. They might be getting a little bit of assistance to get there in terms of the race organisers, but I, but I'm doubtful it'll be a lot. So yeah, there's definitely a financial cost. But I guess they 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 evaluate that and think, well, okay, I'm going to you know suck you know two two grand or something out of me to do to to do this race. Um, but if I'm I'm out of the money, well. Might as well go off and do another race, but it's it's not a good attitude to be getting into in terms of DNFing races. It becomes too easy to quit, in my opinion, if you do it on a regular basis. Sometimes, time and place, you just go the same happening. John, when I was a kid, I used to play Sega Rally. Did you play Sega Rally? No. Were you ever in the games? Not really. Oh, well, Sega Rally was a pretty cool game, and I always wanted to get the perfect game. And I figured out pretty early on it's pretty impossible to get the perfect game, but I got some pretty good, pretty good speeds in my Sega Rally game. This, this, this is going somewhere. Mm-hmm. And what I learned was because early on I was trying to get the perfect game every time, mm-hmm. and I'd quit if I made a stuff up at one corner. Yeah. But actually, I got my best time sometimes if you push past that corner and keep on going. Exactly. So there's a, there's a lesson in for everyone yeah. in that. So even when things go a bit tough, push on through because you don't know what's going to happen around the next corner. DNFing is not a good habit to get into. No, because once you've kind of planted that seed in your mind, haven't you? You yes. kind of. Go back to it too easily, can't you? Same in training, uh, and I think I think we talked to uh, anything training. Yeah, well, well, you know, failing to complete sets or you're not feeling great, so you just can it. Um, and, and as I said, there's a time and place for doing that, but you certainly should not be a regular occurrence. Yeah, talk to Justin Deere about that. You know, push it, pushing through it, and not being afraid to explode from time to time. Um, on the girls' side, of things. Well, she took, she did it, and last week we were saying where she been. Yes, she's back, Erica. Yeah, Erica Jomore. Jomore. 
I probably pronounced that wrong again. Yep. But she was flying under the radar a bit in terms of all the tracking all day because uh, um, I did go on there and uh, there was no mention of her. And this was I came oh, wait on. a second, so didn't even think she was in the lead. Well, no, she didn't have her timing chip on the whole. Well, oh. Her timing chip came off. So the, there were all these reports on the tracking that Michelle Vestibu was uh, was was in the lead, and then all of a sudden, oh, Erica Chong was actually on the course, and um, and she's leading. And well, she just she, I think she. It's hard to know. The splits aren't up there, but it sounded like in the report that she only caught Michelle. Vestibu, um towards it, very close towards the end of the run. Oh, so she ran her down, did you? Yes. So oh. she finished in nine thirty-five thirty-four, and Michelle was uh, less than a minute back in nine thirty-six, and then Lisa Ribes, who I haven't heard of before, it was again uh, it's very close racing again. She was nine thirty-eight, so only two minutes back, and another two minutes back was Marlene Hulf from Germany, and Kathleen Culkins was uh, was back there as well. So I mean, again, on the girls' side of things, really good racing. Um, uh, close uh, top 10 and this is not something you see often in, in the girls racing only uh, 20 minutes covering the top 10 girls which it's, it's, it's about as close as it gets well and, and I think if we we kind of look back to last week's show we were saying it's it's got a good field yeah. you know we look at Ironman New Zealand which had 9 female pros and then you look at this race which had close to 30 female pros or, or mm. mid 20s at least you know that it's you're going to get closer racing if you're going to get more athletes here, aren't you? Mm. So it's good to see a race like this, which sure isn't the rock stars, but it's just good close racing. I would say girls, you know, um, an hour ten behind the, the first guys. That's sort of pushing out. They're saying guys either performed really well or girls didn't perform quite so well. You know, I think for for a like for like, you know, the girls need to be inside an hour if you say that was an, yep. an equal sort of performance. So. Uh, yeah, we haven't really heard anything about the race, whether it was good, great, crap race or not. Um, but yeah, in terms of the results, it was uh, some nice close racing. Yeah, good times. Okay, so this weekend we've got coming up, uh, it's the big race. It's uh, one of the championship mm. races in Ironman Melbourne. And last year, you know, it's on a course which people said it could be a slow day, but it turned out to be a massively fast day because they tend to have a good wind behind them most of the day. And uh, this is one of the races where we do have a strong field, and uh, Thorsten's kind of Thorsten has gone overboard, and uh, and has, has got all these little graphs up there in terms of <laughs> analysing how the race will pan out as you go through the swim, the bike, and the run with the graphs going up. Who's going yeah, he's up? Pretty, who's he's going kind of down. saying how the race is going to happen, isn't he? Yeah. So you can check all this out at tryrating.com. Um, it's a it's a it's a really good field again, um, providing obviously all these guys are going to start. If we if we look back to last year, it was a very close race between Craig Alexander, Cameron Brown and Timo Bracht. Um, you know, we had that pack coming off the bike together and it really turned into quite an exciting running race. Um, and Crowey's winning time last year was 7.57 versus Brown. He was 12 seconds out, breaking yeah, eight that was out a great barrier. Race. Mm. Got to crush you. And then we had Caroline Steffen uh, crushing the girls with Rachel Joyce in second, beating Marinda Carfrey. Um, yeah, so we look at this, this year's field. I think... Uh, you know, Craig Alexander has probably got a bit of a point to prove. Uh, he's certainly not washed up by any stretch no. of the imagination, but he did have a really poor Kona race. It's funny how, but it's funny how that, that thought gets put in our head in our sport when you think, you know, Craig Alexander had one bad race mm. and suddenly, you know, he's no longer the favourite. So this is this is Craig Alexander's um, record. Uh, he from he started in Ironman Australia in two thousand seven. Third, second in Hawaii, first in Hawaii, first in Hawaii, fourth in Hawaii, first at Coeur Lane, first at Hawaii, first at Melbourne, and twelfth in Hawaii. That's basically his, his Ironman resume. So he's had so it's only one bad day, one bad day, and a fourth. He would probably still classify that as a, a, an average day. Yeah. Um, so he's consistent. He'll 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 have a really good race, um, I'm sure. Um, but he's going to have to. Take take down Marino Van Holnacker, uh, who, you know, 
it's going to be interesting to see how he goes. He's had some major explosions in in Hawaii the last couple of years. Major, like last year, he he, I know he should. I'm not saying he should have won the race, but he got himself into a position where, yeah, he, he yeah a steady good run would have won him that race. Um, and instead he exploded. So. Um, Jeez, without he did explore. I remember the van driving away. Yeah. He, was in it, he didn't look like a healthy cookie, no. did he? Yeah, because we, we said when he when he went past us on Ali'i, um, on the out and back, he, he hadn't lost much time. And you know, that was 15 to 15k into the run. And then um, next time we saw him, he was in La La Land. He re- well, literally in the back of the van in La yeah. La Land, yeah. So um, that's going to be a really interesting battle between those two. Nico Lanos is in there as well, so he's 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 always um, going to be be in the mix, and as is David Dallos. So I think those are your four guys well, to really look Rapp. out for. Yeah, but he's always going to battle. You know, those yeah, guys will like, him, likely it? come together in the um, on the bike and, and have a nice. But pack would Rips to be have to bike up to them? Like he's a strong cyclist. Just depends what sort of paces on. He didn't. I mean, he didn't bike up to the group in um, in, Kona. In, in Kona. So certainly a, a, a contender, but I wouldn't have him down as uh, as one of the favourites. And the other thing you're going to have in this race is there's a few Aussies in this race who are really going to be pushing the pace on the bike. You're going to have guys like Clayton Fatel who are just going to be spanking it silly. Um, Luke Bell. Luke Bell. So, well, in that case, then you've got to say someone like Jordan Rep does come back in the vault. Although, no, those guys are going to be off the front. They're going to be swimming. You know, Jordan, oh, okay. Jordan Rep's going to lose five minutes plus in the swim. Yep. So, I think in the terms of the guys to look out for, Clayton Fatel is going to be first off the bike. He's going to spank it silly and he's going to blow up on the run. Um, <laughs> Tyler, Tyler Butterfield. This is a fact. Yeah. Tyler Butterfield had a great race recently at Abu Dhabi. So, he's certainly one to look out for. Um, and then there's a couple of other names to, to keep an eye on. You've got uh, Timothy Reed, who he Peter's brother. Yeah, Peter's brother. He's won the um, won a few races recently. He won the cha- what did he do? Challenge Wanaka? No, I can't remember. Ironman New Zealand last year, and when it was a seventy point three, I think he finished second there. Um, he's on Ironman debut, and I think he could be pretty pretty hot property. Why? What what makes you think that? He's just a Good all-round effort. Every every time I've seen his name come up in a half, he's always done very, very well. And he races in speedos. Uh, oh, in that case, it's a no-brainer, John. And they, they, when, a lot of times I've seen him racing, it's been like the checkered, black, I think black and white checkered speedos. Really random. Um, <laughs> so I think look out for him. The other ones to look out for are Christian Kemp. Now, this guy's on fire on the 70.3s. He won the Auckland 70.3 beating Ben oh, yep. Doherty, and he also won a, a, a 70.3 or a half in, in Australia. So he is on fire. Um, who knows how well he's going to go over the longer distance, but he isn't a spring chicken, so he's won these two races but I think he's in, he's in his 30s or about 30 so he's been in the sport for a while so you know maybe he's got a really good base under him in terms of um, being able to handle the distance and the other one is Sylvain Sudry um, according to Torsten it's his Ironman debut but he has I think won or podiumed a few times at the ITU World Long Distance Champs so he could be another one to look out for so 44 guys on the start line um, that's a pretty big pro field and, yeah it's um, great isn't it yeah, other guys in there like Leon Griffin, who's a former world duathlon champion, Mitch Anderson, who's um, the Aussie dude who spanks yep. it on the, on the bike, and he, he won't be in there in the run, but he, he could ride himself into the race. Luke Bell, Tim Burkle, it's a really good field. Um, Jimmy Johnson, yeah, I mean a lot lot of Aussies, but you know, this time of the year, 
it's a, it's a, it's a solid field. Yeah, well, how, how many other races do you see forty five pros turn up? Mm, you and, know, and and solid, good, solid, strong field. So you know, you're looking through to the top twenty guys are all guys that I've heard of and know a little bit about, and um, so. And, and could when I'm in at other places in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, know, you look at, um, yeah, let, let's, let's take a, uh, you know, 13th seed Tom Lowe. He could win, you know, a third grade, second or third yeah. grade Ironman race. Jimmy Johnson's won challenge races in there. Um, so, yeah, it should be a great race. I mean, you've got your favourites at the front there, but I think we're not going to see those massive gaps you, you sometimes see at events. So, do, you, um, do you think Cam will be as strong this year? Well, I don't think I'd be surprised even if Cam starts, and if he does, um, yeah, why? Just because well, New Zealand? I, yeah, it, 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 I really, really would be extremely surprised if he has a great race over there, uh, coming off Tapo. Just because yeah, Tapo was a bad day, or? yeah, and just back backing it up, and he's not he's not thirty anymore. Um, and I actually watched Ironman New Zealand on TV last night, and oh really? Whilst um, he was a distant third and his run split was pretty bad, I, I do wonder. He looked like he was running really well um, in the mid stages of the run. Then he looked like he might, might have exploded a bit. So he, he looked like he pushed pretty hard, even though his his time, you know, he was just having a bad day. So I'll be surprised if he has a good race. I hope he does. Yeah, I really hope he does. Um, but you know, last year he was coming off a seventy point three, not an Ironman. Interesting times. Well, on the girls' side of things, another strong field. You got um, Caroline Stefan, last year's winner, and probably the favourite again this year for the race. You got Yvonne Van Vluken, Natasha Batman, uh, Crawford, uh, Meredith Kessler. Actually, you kind of got to say the fact that you know of Yvonne and um, Batman are a little bit old in, in the tooth. Uh, Gina and Meredith are both did I Man New Zealand. That Caroline mm. has obviously got to be pretty strong favourite for this race. Yeah, I mean, last year when we were looking at this, you had. Caroline, you had Joycey, um, you had Marinda Carfrey. Um, this year, I'd, I'd say it's you know, Caroline's race to, to, to crush, especially as we said when Gina and Meredith are coming off uh, Ironman New Zealand. Interestingly, though, Yvonne Van Vlerken's uh, expected or, or rating and expected time is basically the same as Caroline Stephens. So that must indicate that Caroline's had a few explosions and times um you know everyone's had some really fast times um, although uh, in, in fairness maybe one of the downfall of dawson's rating system is it goes back in a long period of time because you know you got a challenge wrote 2008 2007 where she was doing what she did total time she did an 851 and 845 there mm-hmm. so if that accounts for that which was you know five years ago mm. it might make her ranking a lot better, maybe, yeah, maybe. I think he scales. I think he's he knows what he's doing. Well, he knows well, what he's doing. Just saying, I don't think she's as good as Carolyn. <laughs> I think she was. I don't think she is at the moment. That's what yeah. I mean. yeah. Um So it's still a really good, strong field, and and I think this whole you know championship race is is, is bringing stronger fields. I mean, we'd love to see you know all the girls there, Joycey and um, and Miranda Carfrey and Leander Cave and and what have you. But um, you know, they'll be. Uh, this is still a really good, strong field, as you said. I think. Almost the race for second is going to be more interesting than the race for the one. John, yes. I was thinking about Joycey the other day. Yes. I always do Joycey, just because, yeah. you know, that's how I roll. But I must say, I think she's almost going to be my, my pick for Kona. Okay. My quiet, just early season pick. Yeah. Do you know why? Why? She's going to be hungry as a wolf. Right. Because you think about her last year at Kona experience, she went into that race, you know, if she mm. was there, she was going to be one of those four girls. She was going to be up there with those girls. Yeah. 
And I, so, so you don't you don't like Caroline Stephens' chances, and you don't oh, no, like. No, no, I'm not saying that. Yeah, you, you'll never pick one, will you? No, I'm just saying. Well, I'm, right now, I'm saying my early picks, Joycey. Next week, you'll be saying Caroline. Look, the week after, after she wins this be... weekend, I would say Caroline's definitely going to win Kona. Yeah. And then the week after, Gina's definitely going to win. But yeah. right now, this week, my prediction is Joycey because mm-hmm. I think emotionally, last year was a pretty tough week for her because she mm-hmm. got sick and she couldn't perform in a way she, you know had hoped and put so much energy into and I think she's going to come back hungry right and hungry in a way John it's going to make her win okay that's this week's prediction come see me next week the other person to look out for in this race in my opinion is Nikki Butterfield um, she is uh, she won Abu Dhabi last year um, and if she's not injured she could be one to look out for and you've also got Dee Dee Griesbauer in there who normally smacks the pace pretty hard on the uh, the swim bike and see if she can hang on in the run so uh yeah, should be should be good racing, and uh, it'll be really interesting to see, see. You know, they had great conditions last year, really, really fast. Um, there is a potential, I believe, on that course that they could have a headwind the whole way on the run. Um, it'll be mm. interesting to see what times are like if that happens. Okay, we've also got hits in Florida happening this weekend. Mm-hmm. What distance is that? All distances. Oh, that's right, hits to all them, bit, everything. Okay, so go to hits and uh, do a race in Florida. Yeah. I'm uh, going to Florida. Are you? In August. Okay. Have you been to Florida? No. I went there one other time. Yeah. Humid, man. Yeah. Oh, it's hot year round there. Oh, man. Like, horrible. But I'd love to live in a hot place, but humid? Yeah, no. Nah. Yeah. Anyway, um, Tim Hemming sent me an email the other day saying, look, I've got a bit of time on a Sunday afternoon to write a bit of news for you. Yeah. And uh, if you're interested, would you do that? Would you want us to do want me to do that? And I said, yeah, yeah, why not? So he basically sent us through... Some great news. Great news. This is Tim Heming's news Just report. Save, save me about 10 minutes' work, which I appreciate. Yeah, it was great. So uh, Drew Scott, Dave Scott's son, has apparently signed up for a um, for a pro licence. He had some... Yeah, he won the overall race at the Buffalo Springs 70.3 last year. Um, I remember that because he was racing as an age grouper. And, uh, yeah, he won, didn't he? And he won, but obviously they started at a different time to the pros. So he had the fastest time. Yeah, but they... Yeah, anyway, yep. um, the San Juan 70.3 was at the weekend. And Star man, took it out. It was a, it was a really strong field. Um, it, was, it was very surprising. Excuse me, just leave that one. Yeah, was it, it at your bum? No. Oh. no. <laughs> um, so that was good, good to see Andrew Starkowitz holding off um, your Tim O'Donnell, Bertrand Millard. Um, you also had um, Ferris in there. But yeah, there was. I looked through the results and there was a good strong field. Another... Um, on the girls' side of things, you had Healy Frederickson, and uh, she was somebody emailed through a little while ago. Morton was. I Morton sent it through, and he's just saying that basically her federation said she'd become a nothing, and her coach told her to go have kids. Yeah, yeah. And now look at her. Yeah, she spanked the 70.3. Yeah. And uh, Leander Kay was only in sixth. Yeah, um, Kelly Williamson was only fourth. And she was uh, the winner from last year. So that was a pretty pretty outstanding race. So again, we're seeing some of these short course athletes that may have been middle middle to upper pack um, ITU athletes coming across and showing the long course athletes how the job is done. ITU update? ITU update. Malulabar was on at the weekend. Um, Gomez uh, smoked everybody. Where's he doing his half? Um, bus loan, I'm not sure when that is. So later on in the season, he'll spank it. He'll absolutely kill it. Um, so he, he had a pretty easy victory. And uh, on the interestingly though, um, one of my boys, local boys, Mike Phillips, was first off the bike, had a 30 second lead. Did uh, he? Yeah. Was yeah, that pretty cool? It would have been very cool for him, leading a World Cup. Yeah. This is only his second ever World Cup. And uh, but he had knee, knee problems. It was, he, was he was always, never going to run well. He was never going to run well. Yeah. If he had ran well, we would have got. Well, it was a small field. There's only 25 guys in it. Um, 
lucky in the middle of the field. Even oh, middle of the field would have been a good result. Okay. Yeah. Um, Anne Hug, it looks like she's going to be one of the form athletes. She'd won the last round of the ITU circuit last year in Auckland, and uh, she she took out the girls' race relatively comfortably. So, um, yeah. And then apparently Alistair Brownlee's hopes of doubling up the 10,000 metres at the Commonwealth Games are taking a blow when England, when England athletics closer qualification standards that were tougher than the Olympic Games. Yeah, so basically Brownlee that was expecting to have to run about a 28.45, which is smoking it. Mm. Um, he posted 29.07 in London try, but... Yeah, but that's, that doesn't yeah, really no, count. No, no, but the standard for, the A standard for it is now a speedy 27.50 and the B standard is 28.10. So it need to be at least, you know, 30 seconds, 35 seconds faster to hit the B standard. Only Mo Farrow ran the A standard last year and only one other athlete hit the B standard. Why do they make it harder? Is it money, is it? No, I mean, I guess they probably only have, uh, they'll probably have three slots, I'd imagine, and they'll just just make selection a lot easier when you go, right, we've got a, you know, three athletes, you know, there's only probably three athletes in the country that can hit this. So, yeah, that's 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 pretty fast. That is smoking. What's the record? I, I doubt there's any New Zealanders. That, well, I suppose there's only one in the UK. I'm pretty sure there wouldn't be any in the in New Zealand that can hit that. What does what, what um, Nick Willis Google do? It. What does Willis do? Well, he doesn't do 10,000. No, what does he do? He does 1,500 and yeah. 800. But when will we go long? Ring him up and ask him. I might actually. Yeah. yeah I met him. Do you know what? Here's the story. Yeah. I went to the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne. We've got old Slam I am Duncan White. Yeah. And uh, we, 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 went, we went to the games mm-hmm. and we went to when Nick Willis was running the 1500. Was it 1500? Uh, yeah, what about you? He runs the eight and the 15, but 15 yeah, was had the most 1500. success. And uh, we thought if we're going to go to Commonwealth Games, we're going to pay the top dollar because mm. if I'm going to go, if I'm going to something, I don't want to be some cheap seats out the back. No, you don't and, want that. Oh, peasants out the back. I wasn't yeah. going to sit with those people. Yeah. And so I thought to myself, okay, top dollar. So we paid top dollar. I think it cost us like 200 bucks for our seat. But Five rows from the back, five rows from the front, start finish line. We're nice. there, John. It nice. was happening all around yeah. us. Yeah. You were the. Have you been to MCG? No. Oh, John, MCG is one of the greatest sports stadiums yeah, in the world. I know that. Phenomenal. So the place is packed out. Nick Willis wins his gold. Guess who comes and gives a hug, John? Same I am. Yes, and who else? Person standing next to Same <laughs> yes. I am. Yes. Which was Barry? No, it was me. <laughs> It was, and so uh, he came up and gave us a hug and I've uh, even got camera and he, cause he goes this is my brother and you got a camera footage of it I sent it through to him and yeah, yeah, yeah. so I actually probably could give him a call nice yeah, that, was, that was a pretty special moment in my life yeah yeah. yeah. other ITU, ITU news uh, Paula Finlay is finally getting back after um, some problems and this is she? she was on fire the season before the Olympics um, she was just wasn't, I wouldn't say she's crushing everybody but she was winning all the tight races and she was only a really young kid she was probably 18 or something like that and then the world just fell to pieces going to the Olympics you know she's Canadian's great hope and everything just fell to pieces and you see her on the side of the road and tears. Fall to pieces just emotionally or physically? Both or? I mean I think she had she had injuries and then emotionally she couldn't, didn't handle the pressure very well and she was Poor on girl. the side and tears and all that and the cameras are on her and You do feel for um, young athletes so you look at like you, you get these athletes who get put in a spotlight you know and, and these ones who are in like 1920 and, and yeah, you know, sometimes people are quite critical of those people and you kind of go, can yeah. you remember what you were like when you were 19? Yeah, I, th- I think she won her first race, first ever World Championship Series race. I'm pretty sure she won it and then just won everything. And then yeah, really? she was on fire. And, uh, and, and how long ago was this? 
so this was uh, the Olympics were 2012. This was end of 20, 2011, and then I can't remember what she was doing pre-Olympics, um, but she was still, you know, she was the the hot thing, and uh, just been crap ever since, really. And good have to you, see her have you ever back. felt that kind of pressure? Have you ever felt? I just, no. you know. Imagine Definitely. being 19 and Definitely feeling level. that level of pressure. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then when these these people make mistakes and people are so harsh on them, you go, A, they're human, mm. and B, remember when you were that age? Like, mm. I'd hate to have had the world look at me when I was 19 because oh, mm. I was a fine example of a human <laughs> being. John, another big thing that's happening is uh, Jensen Button's putting on his own race. He's going to have a $7,000 or pound uh, prize money for the race on the 14th of July in Lutonhu. A state in Bedfordshire in the UK. So there we go. Although Jensen, come on, seven grand. Come on, mate. You can pop out a hundred grand. Yeah. Come on for the team. Apparently, Chrissy Wellington was off uh, doing some ski race, um, sort of uh, at the weekend. Got beaten by Pippa Middleton. I think it sounded like a bit of a, a cross country ski marathon. And she's also helping out. There's a movie coming out, raising from. Raising from, from the ashes, from the ashes move. Raising from ashes movie dot com um, about a pro cycling team from Rwanda beating genocide, and she's uh, helping promote that, which is pretty cool. And um, that's about it. What about the oldest triathlon? Uh, we've already talked about that. Almera Challenger running Almera Triathlon this oh, yeah. year, and I've got yeah. a little promo clip okay. on there. Cool race, so John, I thank you, Tim. And uh, John? Yes. Sponsor. EastLSTry.com. Oh, John, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? Bevan, do you know what's out now? Uh, you know what? I, I was on Facebook the other day. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. And I was pretty excited because I saw this amazing picture just pop up onto my news feed. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. It was also my, like the, the, the clouds opened yes. and the sun came through and suddenly I saw the light. And what did I see, John? You saw... The I Am Talk two-piece tricep. Oh, finally. Finally. It's For here. years, we had the I Am Talk jersey. It was like, oh, one day I'd love some pants. Yeah. So then we got a tri-suit. And he goes, I love the tri-suits, but I want a tri-suit. Two-piece. Two-piece. Yeah. <laughs> and and John saved me there. Thank you, John. And then suddenly, SLS delivered. It is. So go to slstry.com. Either just click on the men or women tab at the top. They've got yeah. women's version as well. Yeah. We're not sexist on this show. Yeah. And uh, you just go on, go on there, and then we've got the tri suit on there for uh, 150 bucks, and then you've got the tri short and tri top, 75 bucks each, and uh, they're looking styly, looking styly. Oh, cool, man. So, yeah. So when you've got them, then send us through your photos. Exactly. You know who's going to be the f- here? Here we go. Who's going to be the first person to send us through an Iron Talk two piece? Oh yes. Iron Man finish. Yes. Photo. I'll take any race photo. No, no, I want an Ironman finish. Want an Ironman finish. Should we give him a prize? Can you coordinate that? Can you prizes you can give out? I can do something. Okay, okay the first person to do that, mm. the two piece and an Ironman finish goes on the website first of all, which is always a bit of a privilege. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But second of all, John's going to sort out a prize for you. I'll sort out a prize. I have nothing to do with it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. Go to slstry.com. Um, the, pro- the products have already been, IM Talk products have already been discounted, so you can't use your discount code when you're buying the IM Talk stuff. You know, like when we look at their other stuff, their custom suits are 185 bucks, or their, 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 their tri suits are 185 bucks um, versus our ones are at 150 so it's already discounted for you. Um, and while you're there, check out all the other gear. You've got your socks, um, your general compression gear. I had my... Uh, Compression tights on last night going to bed. Um, oh, going back to that, is it? Yeah. Did a few 1K wow. reps yesterday. I thought I'd better just chuck those bad boys on. And, uh, Do you get hot? No. I've told you this many times before. I know. You do not get hot. <laughs> I know. I keep I, asking. I wear them in Kona and I still um, sleep fine, absolutely fine. No, you don't? 
I win them when I'm. I don't win them when, when we're podcasting over there because I'm not working but very hard. But you're in the bed because I always come chicken at night time when you sleep just to make sure you're okay. Just make sure. When, <laughs> Tuck you in. Yeah. No, <laughs> when we're on camp over there, I wear the tights over there. Oh, and okay. I'll give that to you. Problem. I'll give that to you. Okay. So check 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 it out. SLSTry.com. If you're not getting an I am talk try suit, make sure you use the code uh, I am talk and you get a nice healthy discount. Okay. Time. Good times. Rock and roll. Okay. So Bevan, we oh, what about discussion of the week? Discussion of the week. We'll do that now, but I just need a pause to go for a wee wee. Oh, really? That doesn't happen often. <laughs> okay, you go for a wee wee. He's going to go for a wee wee. Not a long wee, just a wee wee. Here we go, back in a second. How was your wee? Oh, it was fantastic. Was it wee wee or did you actually look it wrong? It was a gigantic wee. Really? Yeah. I was in, I was in the Kuala Lumpur a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Revenge, Revenge of the Nerds? Mm-hmm. Well, the, Revenge of the Nerds 2, 3, 4, 5? Yeah, well, I think I'm Revenge of the Nerds 5. There's one where, who was the big kind of animal guy? Oh, I don't know names. But maybe there was, there was the big kind of, it wasn't Booga. Booga was the guy who always yeah. put his nose, but there was the guy who was, who was on the... I don't know. Okay, well, well, anyway, there's one scene where he goes to the toilet and the whole scene's happening and the whole time he's just going for a wee yeah. and it takes you a while to click into it yeah. and, and eventually you figure it out and it's pretty funny. So I'm KL and all my friends are in my room having any yarn, yeah. but they have, this, they have this kind of hose next to your toilet, which is a bum cleaner. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, I'm not sure you might meant to put it up when you're, I'm not sure how it worked, but... Yeah. And so I thought to myself, it would be a bloody good idea just to keep that hose going for ages. Yeah. <laughs> and I stood there, no lies, I was committed to the joke. Yeah, yeah. I stood there for probably a good 12 minutes. Yeah. just going, And I'd even stop and he'd start again. <laughs> I didn't even get it. Uh, I was no. gutted. I put so much you commitment. wasted all that water. I bar- that, uh, here and KL, they have got a water shortage now. Not where I was staying. Mm. Well, that's probably why, John. Yeah. Yeah, I started the problem. Yeah. Anyway, discussion of the week, John. So last week's discussion of the week, let me put it up right if here. If you put on an Ironman race that had no Kona slots, would you would it sell out? Would you still enter? Let us know your reasons for your answer. Can I veto this one? This week's one? No, this week's one's gold. Oh, but I've got a real gold one as well. well put it, save it somewhere and save it for next week. This week's one is gold. Oh, well, I don't know about that. Yes, I know about it. Okay, well, here we veto go. Veto has week's... been vetoed. Oh, man. Put it, write it down. There's no like discussion this... here. You was just There's no democracy I, here. I often Let's let have you, a vote. No, I often <laughs> let you veto the, the, the discussion. Oh, lucky me. In this instance. Lucky I, me. I, okay, so first of all, Mark uh, Car- Kithcart, uh, I would. It's called Challenge Route. Yeah, I know it's not WTC. Well, I mean, I've stopped doing WTC races, period. This year, I don't even put in for the Kona Lottery. First time in eight years. He's, he's, he's annoyed, John. Yes, Martin King shared, as an aspiring Ironman, um, we'll be doing an Ironman race in 2014. I currently have no aspirations of qualifying for Kona, but I would still like to compete in IM-branded <coughs> race. So, yes, I would enter. The Kona slot will wait for another year. Okay, Vlad Meskid. Uh, absolutely, location course matters more to most of us than the trip to Kona. We have no chance of getting to anyhow. Florida sold out in one minute, yet others are still wide open. Mm-hmm. Tony Hodge, uh, it probably would still sell out. Um, take Ironman New Zealand, for example. 675 of this year's competitors were first-timers who wouldn't have been chasing Kona slots, and how many people didn't go to roll down? For me, if it were in a location close by, I might enter. It would have to be a great spot, as I already have two favourite races that I'm using to work towards my own goals. Brian Jensen saying yes and yes, I'm not going to qualify for Kona anytime soon unless no one shows up for the roll down. So that's... Uh, isn't a deciding factor. Uh, Lynn Perry, I'm a mop. Do you want to moppers? Um, wait a second. A mother of Peter. people. 
yeah, oh. or a middle of pack. And that oh. is why I go to the Challenge Race Series. I pick races on the destination and the logistics of getting there. Good old, um, I'm going to say this one, Burras, Burtas, Van Ziel. Yes, not all roads lead to the Kona. Uh, to be one and done Kona is entertaining, is entertainment, not a destination. Uh, Jesse Tyler, what? Nope. If I get good enough to go to qualify for Kona, still have a few years of work to do that, I'd pay. But otherwise, I'm flying internationally to race. I'd rather do Challenge, Norseman, or I'm distance ra- local races. <coughs> it's mainly just on principle. The price difference um, for what is mainly just the lo- logo is bonkers. It doesn't really matter where what race you finish if it's 140 Point six, you're an Iron Man. Okay, Louise and Philip Shamrock, they must share a Facebook page, John. Mm, nice. I'm not into that. Oh, we'll get your own. I am Louise. What, do you Philip? share with Belinda? No, she shares mine. She's cancelled her Facebook. What, but she goes on yours? Yeah. So why'd she cancel it? She's sick of Facebook. But then she goes on yours? Yeah. How often? She doesn't post on mine, she just goes on there. Most of her friends are friends of mine. So, so how, how often does she go on there? More than me. Well, why did she just have her own? That's like my mate Jeff. He does. He goes. I don't do Facebook, but he goes and comments with caters. And I go, well, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sort it out. Louise and Philip sort your own pages out. But anyway, a good race will sell out irrespective of Kona slots, which in any case apply only to a small number of entrants. Had I completed an Ironman New Zealand this year, I could have made the Kona slot. Whereas, with my best finishing time, I would normally not consider myself in contention. 55 rolled down to 15.5-59 rolled 14 hours plus. I imagine there'd be a few people who didn't race this year would be mm. a bit gutted when they heard about mm. that. Um, I mean distance is not about WTC anyway. Uh, my last one, um, Carlin Dixon, I believe it would sell out no, uh, I believe it would sell out. So he's saying yes, it would sell out if it didn't have slots. No, I wouldn't still enter because I have yet to give up on myself on the dream of qualifying for Kona. <laughs> I'll just say Iron Chicks, she's saying, um, that was a website of the week, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Iron Chicks, yep. Great discussion. I would have to say that only 10% of the Iron uh, field are really going to make it to the Kona slot. If the lo- location is nice, the course is enjoyable, and the community gets behind it, it would sell out. John, your thoughts? Well, let, let's say... I think you're going to uh, say no. Let's, let's say hypothetically you had uh, two lo- two really perfect locations um, and courses were similar and two race organisers were putting on a race. You had an Ironman here at one place and you had a, a non-WTC race at the other place. But we're going to say the WTC is professionally run like a challenge. We're going to say the other... The, yeah, 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 yeah. So that it's not like, like you're doing a local peasant kind of race. Yeah. So... Uh, I guarantee they're going to get a lot more people entering the Ironman race. But I wonder how much of that... But what if it was Challenge? Uh, I still think for the hardcore athlete, they're going to know the difference. But I think for, you know, you've got 675 new athletes at Ironman New Zealand. Yep. I think perhaps what I was getting at here a bit is the Kona slots, I don't think that draws that many people, but I think the marketing power of an M dot. Is, yeah. is is what gets people you know you go if you're Joe Bloggs and you go I want to do an Ironman or I see it on TV you're going to plug Ironman into Google and you're going to go where's my closest Ironman you're not going to think where's my closest Iron Distance Race and go to k226.com and find it so I, I kind of the reason for this as well is I'm getting frustrated with all these new races coming up and, and they're just Kona slots going willy nilly and it's becoming harder and harder to, if you're a, a serious Kona qualifier are you worried about I'm in New Zealand mate? no I'm not worried are you about, worried about it you, you can let me know um, 
But I think for those that, that really want to get there, it's, it's becoming a, more of a lottery, and I would much rather see <coughs> less races with Kona slots, um, uh, so less number of races with more Kona slots, so you can go to them with a bit more certainty. And I don't see there being a problem whatsoever with having races without Kona slots. I still think they will sell out if they put them in good good locations. They've got so much marketing power, and there's still so, demand is still far exceeding supply that I still think they're going to do very well. But they keep throwing these bloody Kona slots, and it's just it's, it's thinning things out, and it's making it harder for those guys that really want to get to Kona to get there in my opinion there's two ways you can look at it you know like you can say you know dot power is massive and I, and I agree I think they could definitely put on races around the world which you know they don't have Kona slots but would still sell well if not mm. sell out but then you look at when I'm in New Zealand when we used to talk to you know the race director there what's her name again Jane Jane, Jane Champion yeah and, oh, um, Jane Champion, Jane Patterson. Oh, Jane Champion, where'd she come she's from? She's an author, isn't she? She's a New Zealand That's author. right, she, no, she's a director. Director. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's Campion. Is it? Yeah. I'm, I'm on Champion. fire. But anyway, Jane Campion, she was a race I man New Zealand <laughs> before she came and directed it. No. Um, and they used to buy Kona slots to draw mm. the Australian guys over. And mm. it was, you know, they used to have AD at New Zealand, yeah, yeah. which is, I think, was one of the biggest races in New Zealand for, or in the world for Kona slots. And it was definitely a draw card. Which it was a draw card, but at that time, again, demand was so great in Australia that it was, I think it was a little bit of a combination of that would draw a few, but also over there that people couldn't get into races. That's why they, they often came across the ditch. Yeah, but was it? Or, or do you it think was, that... It was the back, back then there was... A, yeah, no, I, 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 okay, but how much were the kind of sorts of an influence as well? Mm, a little bit. You know, and so, I don't know... Um, I, I, don't, I think they could definitely have lots of races without it. So but do, do you think, so, so then you go to your grade races, do you say, okay, well, we have the A race, which is your championship races, mm-hmm. then you have a B level races, we have Kona slots, yeah, and yeah. then you have C races that are just Ironmans. Yeah, totally. Yep. Do it. Similar, similar structure to the pros, you know, stack the, your, your regional championships, and then, you know, you have your, as you said, you have your second tier races, so you might have it, your regional okay, championships. Okay, so let's say, let's say you have the third tier race, which is non-Kona slots, mm. but also no pro field. How would that go? I still think it'd go pretty well. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, it's interesting in Australia, they've got um, uh, an interesting model there where you've got, you've almost got three tiers of races over there because they've, they've let Port Macquarie... Um, very low prize money, next to no prize turn up, so like twenty five thousand dollars prize money. Yeah, it still it still sells out um, and does. And apparently, it's got quite a different feel, a bit more of a an age groupy sort of more slightly more social race. Whereas you go to a um, Melbourne. Melbourne one, um, probably a bit more hardcore. Um, so I think there's um, there's definitely scope to be doing it, and that could could be where they start to create more of a bit more of a family festival type weekend where you're not going to have so many hardcore athletes there. They're still going to be hardcore. It's still a bloody Ironman. But if you haven't got the really, really serious ones there because there's no kind of slots, it might just change the vibe a little bit. But really, John, do we, okay, so let's really think about this. When you go to an Ironman, how mm-hmm. much do you really connect with other people? Well, I don't, but a lot of other people do. Really? Or yeah, do they just do. connect with the people they know going it's, into it's that weekend? It's a family, Bevan. It's, it's the Ironman family. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I really think they do. But I think they could they could make it even... For, uh, it's still a very intimidating place for a lot of people to turn up at an Ironman. And if you had those sort of more, slightly more friendlier races, um, which, you know, if you if you take out... I, get, I bet you, if you took out the top 15 athletes in each age group, let's say the top 10, the really the, the fasties, I think you go into a transition like that, it's going to be a different feel than you go to a transition where all the big kahunas are there, I reckon. 
I, I, that could be I, this week's I, I could slightly week's. disagree with you on that one. That could be a dis- put that can, down. Can, can I put my point across? Put, put, <laughs> that, put that down on your list of discussions of the week that we've got to do. No, is, it's going after there, my one. There, I'm putting it on my list. <laughs> okay. Then. Right, here we go. You do, you do point. I'm, I'm putting it on my no, list. No, you need to listen to me. I'm listening. No, you're not. You're writing. No, uh, no, he's bloody hopeless, this kid is. So, so the thing is, so you're basically saying that the elite people are snobs. They're, uh, Bevan Doherty, perfect example. Snob. Uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. When he, he admits it himself, he says oh, so he's, he's in bevy world. When he goes down to a race, he's in bevy world. But you don't, you don't I'm think the age groupers have the same level of intent and in seriousness? Like it's a personality thing. It's not to say that all pros. Like when I was a high level, I was still the guy who was really social to race. I think if we did that, if we got our statistician from today, um, Gary, to do do a bit of research, I bet you'd find the top end ones are a bit, money. a bit more intense. And I'm the same. I don't. I'm not. Um, and there to have a chat before the race or anything like that. I'm, I'm I don't know if I agree with that because like, I trained this guy Tony for I'm in New Zealand. Now, he, he was on the coverage last night, which I watched on TV. Oh, was he? Yeah. Do I get a mention? No, you didn't. Oh, not. he said he mentioned me. Well, Got it. <laughs> but so I trained Tony for I'm in New Zealand. I know Tony would. He's the kind of guy who takes things really seriously. He would yeah. have a really serious race morning. Yeah. It's a personality thing. It's not a, a level of the field. There's, there'd be pros out there who would be just like me, who are just kind of casual, don't give a shit. And then there'll be guys like you who are quite serious, and that's how you work on race day. And it's, I don't know if. I, I definitely agree with what you're saying, but I reckon that statistically, the higher end athletes are a bit more serious than the middle to lower end of the packs. And we can agree to disagree. But I just like. wonder, I don't know if the experience is going to change that much if you take away the top 10% of the field. I'm just putting my discussion points up here so we'll see what everybody else thinks. Just once again, he, he ignores me. feel of a race change if... Okay, we'll put that in this, this week's discussion. Given oh, we've, we've debated I don't that. want to veto this week's discussion. Uh, and I'll save my other one. Well, I'll tell you about my other one, and we can have that for next time. No, right? no, we'll wait. We can wait. Okay, because so, we'll do my one next so week. This will be um, this. Okay, I need to put in. Uh, <laughs> I need to put in. Uh, so wait a second. What's the discussion? Do you think that if we didn't have Kona no, slots? No, no. If you took out the top, um, so let's say if you took out the top ten people out of each age group, so the would the feel fastest, of the whole race change? Would the feel of the race change? Yeah. And we know the answer. It was. Of course, it wouldn't. Why would it change? Just because you take out 100 people of the race. Let the people decide. People, you know what's right. Do what's right, okay? We've got an interview coming up, guys. I'm sick of talking about this crap because I know I'm right. <laughs> so basically, we've got a guy called Gary Nehead. Say his last name, John? Uh, let me pull up. I think it was Rotham. He does tell us, but we forget. Rotham Bar, I reckon. Rotham, Rotham Bar. Bar. And he's basically Rotham, started, Rotham Bar, there was a T in there. Started the Triathlon Industry Association, um, which do a lot of research for the industry, you know, businesses in the industry, to really see what are the trends and what they can learn to become more successful in the industry. So, um, yeah, let's get him on. Right, on today's show, we've got a man who's going to tell us all about our different habits from some market research. We've got Gary Rothenbauer, and he's... Uh, comes to us from triathlonindustryassociation.org and uh, been doing a bit of market research in the UK and uh, yeah, just keen to maybe find out some of the things that we thought we knew about the industry that perhaps the research says is either correct or incorrect. So welcome along to the show, Gary. Hi guys, good to speak to you. So tell us a bit about um, where you're coming from because um, we spoke before we came on air just about you know your background and stuff and essentially if you set up a, an industry association, well, tell us about what, you, what you, you've set up and what you're trying to achieve. 
Yeah, sure, sure. Well, we set up the uh, the Triathlon Industry Association back at the tail end of 2011 uh, and worked with uh, two guys on that, a guy called Paul Shanley, who um, uh, works for the try247.com yep. website, mm-hmm. uh, and also a guy called David Townsend, who uh, runs the uh, the triathlon show uh, here, here in the UK. Um, so as I say, we established, established it as a, a regular not-for-profit trade association, and it's it, essentially its sort of raison d'etre is to represent the in, interests of uh, triathlon industry companies. Um, we've got about 35 member companies currently, and uh, we're also working very closely in collaboration with the British Triathlon Federation. So BTF members, obviously the national governing body here in Great Britain, uh, are, are sort of uh, we're in contact with with their team. They they sit in on board meetings, that kind of thing. So the uh, the objective of the association is essentially to um, provide a discussion forum, you know, networking opportunities, obviously market information to assist you know the the industry understand where the growth is coming from and so on. But I suppose fundamentally, it's about promoting the industry, and uh, that's where obviously there's a common objective with British Triathlon Federation. You know, it's about growing participation in the sport, raising awareness about the sport, and so on. So, I mean, obviously, you're you're mainly dealing with business to business, you know, side of things. But obviously, a lot of the people listening to the show are not going to be business to business. They're going to be athletes, and and obviously, we're sure. we're all interested in, and you know, all of us are interested in growing the sport as much as we can. So, I mean, what can can Joe Blogs do to support sort of what you're doing? Uh, well, uh, we had some fantastic support already, actually. So we we conducted a, a survey uh, at the tail end of 2012 into into January of uh, 2013, uh, and that was a large scale survey of, of triathletes. Um, we had 3,800 survey completions, um, and uh, most people, you know, just gave up their time. Obviously, there were prizes to incentivise uh, completion of the survey. Uh, and we promoted it both media and social media and so on. But um, we had a lot of a lot of support, you know, from you know the, the triathlon community already, and that was fantastic. I suppose you know going forwards, um, you know, the idea would be maybe we look at other countries because obviously we've, we've just focused on on Great Britain at the moment, um, and uh, you know that that would be fantastic if if guys could give up a bit of their time just to talk about you know how they interact with the sport, how they train, how you know. When and where do they, you know, uh, buy their gear? Essentially, it's obviously a bit of particular interest to the the, uh, the industry. So, so when you're talking about industry, are you talking about regards to races and building races, or are you talking more about gear that people are going to buy for the sport, or are you talking about growing the, the participation of the sport? Um, well, in terms of the industry, we're, we're talking about all 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 types of operators across the supply chain. So that's um, brands, uh, retail distributors. Uh, events uh, and obviously servicing companies. So the member companies we've got, you know, ranges from you know the likes of Chain Reaction and Wiggle, uh, through to um, uh, event organi- organisers such as One Step Beyond to organise the Outlaw um, here in the UK, amongst many other events, alongside brands like you know Speedo, Hoop Wetsuits, uh, and and so on. And then we have the media as well. So that that's the the, the kind of industry. And I suppose in terms of the, the other part of your question, which if, if I heard it correctly. Um, uh, the, the objective really is to, is to promote the sport and, and use the, the information, the market information that we have to raise awareness with the media. I mean, bottom line is that mainstream media loves stats. And, you know, that's something that you can put a, a story hook on. And that, that's something, obviously, that, that can get, you know, the juices flowing in terms of uh, both, you know, not just endurance sport media, but also the mainstream media. So if we, we, we have that information out in the public domain, um, then, you know, the, the benefit should hopefully be 
that, that more people get interested in triathlon because there's more media you know, talking about the sports. Uh, and also, quite importantly, the, uh, the non-endemic brands start looking at triathlon more seriously as well so that that investment can, can come into the sport uh, in terms of sponsorship and so on. So, yes, driving events and participation is, is, is a key factor, but obviously then the knock-on benefit is that, you know, people buy gear as well. So so we've been having a discussion on a show recently how, we, you know, the sport isn't really getting that big sponsor. If we look at Ironman recently, they've lost Ford and they, they haven't really got that big yep. ticket sponsor. Uh, what are your thoughts on why that has happened and how do you see it that we can get to a place where, you know, triathlon can pull in huge money from sponsorship, which obviously has a great flow-on effect? Uh, yeah, I, thought, I, I listened to, to the last podcast really interestingly. I think there's some fantastic um, points being made there. It, it, is, a, it is a challenge. Um, uh, obviously, we, we've seen today that ITU has confirmed um, yeah, an increase in prize money, which is obviously fantastic from the point of view of you know, the World Triathlon Series and, and the World Cup. Um, but you're, you're right to say that some non-endemic brands have left, left the sport. Um, in terms of the things we can do, I think really it's about raising awareness with those in individuals who, you know, may be looking at other sports to, to, to back, whether it's tennis, whether it's sailing, whatever it may be, um, that, that actually triath triathlon is a, is a sport to take seriously. Yes, it is niche in terms of participation numbers compared to, to say, running or jogging, um, but you've got a different type of athlete, of course. Mm. Uh, and, it, and it's an athlete who's fundamentally engaged in what they're doing. Um, they're not just uh, casual uh, in their participation. If anything, they're, they're pretty much full-on competitive type individuals, even if they're competing uh, you know, within sprints, they don't necessarily need to be going long course. Mm. So you've, you've, part of your, your, your role is, is to do some research, and, um, and you've recently done, you know, you said you, your sort of survey where you had, I think you said 3,800 um, people responding yep. to that. Yep, that's right. And, um, you know, typically we think, oh, right, you know, typical triathlete's going to be, medium to high income earners and um, yeah, basically it's a pretty, pretty affluent sport. So what, what were some of the things that, that came out of the research that, um, you know, just some general stuff and also maybe some things that surprised you a little bit? Yeah, um, um, I think that the interesting thing when, as, as you say, in terms of the, the, the earnings of individuals, there's this presumption that you've, uh, you've got the, the uber rich uh, who fundamentally are driving the sport. We, we actually found in the UK that it's, it's, it's a fairly, you know, squeezed middle, if you like. Uh, the average salary we found within, within the, 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 the survey uh, was came in at 45,000, which is, a, you know, a, a good and healthy salary, but it's um, a bit below that, that for example, the, the Mind of the Triathlete study in the US came out with, you know, a, a much bigger figure mm -hmm. uh, in terms of, of, of the US triathletes. So as, as um, we, we've kind of seen with, with the data, there's to say the, the, the demographic could almost be referred to as this squeezed middle in, that we have in, in the UK where you have um, individuals, obviously their household um, uh, ex expenditure is going up, you know, costs are going up, salaries are fairly static. Yet what we found was that the intent to spend in triathlon was very robust. Um, we, we just, I mean, well, we're still crunching the data, so we're still in the sort of interim results phase with, with, with the data. But we, we asked about um, spend on all triathlon uh, products, services, events, and so on, and what their anticipated spend would be in, in 2013. One third of the respondents said that it would be the same or more. 
um, sorry, uh, two thirds of respondents said it would be the same or more, and one third of respondents said it would be up ten to twenty or more percent in two thousand thirteen. So um, you know this this so called squeeze middle, you know, it's not le- they're not letting their di- discretionary spending power get in the way of their you know training and racing goals. <laughs> We're obsessed, basically, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I think we are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing we found as well in terms of bike spend, um, I mean, the average bike spend came in at around about fifteen hundred pounds. Um, so in, which we thought was quite interesting, but if you, can, can, if you maybe just, maybe the, just, can you, um, you know, what, 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 cause I like from New Zealand, I'm not quite sure what would a 1500 pound bike get you? Is it kind of high end? Uh, no, that would be a, um, you'd get a sort of entry level carbon bike here okay. in, in, in GB. Great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could get a, a, a fairly entry level, uh, very, uh, I, I don't know what the spec would be. You certainly would be getting Jura race at, the, at that yep, level. Okay. It would be, you know, you know, one hundred and five. Um, you could get, you know, entry level time trial bike as well at that yep. uh, at that level. But uh, it obviously depends on where you shop, whether it's a sort of a specific online only brand or, or obviously even the more premium US brands. Yeah, um, things things obviously change. Um, but yeah, so that average was was fifteen hundred. But um, of the sample that we had, twenty percent of individuals. Um, did their first triathlon in uh, 2012. Mm. So obviously you got one fifth did uh, the, the, their first triathlon last year. Obviously they, they bought a bike, um, but they, they over-indexed in the 500 to 1,000 pound band, if you like. Yeah. Um, in other words, they're buying in at very much the, the very very entry-level bike price, which has certainly brought the, the average overall down. Mm. Um, but when we, when we asked about their next bike, that be spending the average goes up across all all, all of the athletes from fifteen hundred to nineteen hundred pounds. Okay. So you've got a within those two averages, you've got a twenty seven percent surge in terms of the expected bike spend on the next bike. And I think that one thing you know that that certainly we we can see is that consumers are are or triathletes in general are um, certainly on an upgrade path. Uh, and particularly with bikes as well, that they, you know, they come in at a certain type of bike, and then whether it's a P5 down the line, you know, they're 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 on that sort of aspirational upgrade path, mm. um, which which is certainly something that we found. Um, in terms of um, family sort of setup, you've got two point six uh, people per 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 household. I'd love to see a point sixth of a person. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, so as always, I'm married with 2.2 children. It's like, where, where does that 0.2 child come from? <laughs> so when you, when you say 2.6 per people, per family, so that's generally indicating sort of more couples and singles than, than, than families that, in terms of the respondents you got? Um, well, no, th- that's the, the average household size. So that yeah. would be essentially it's it's uh, yeah couples and dependents as, yeah. as and coming out at an average. Um, what what we found is that it was slightly higher for the, those who started triathlon in 2012, came in around 2.7, mm-hmm. um, and then for those that we would call um, devotees. I mean, we se- segmented the triathletes into three types. So we start with 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 starters who essentially did their first try in in 2012. We then had a group that we just uh, as I say, simplistically called lifestylers, who got into sport before 2012 and stated that they were training up to eight hours uh, during the the time of the survey, which is obviously in the northern hemisphere is the off season, so mm. the winter season. So this is obviously what they said they're training, so we have to be yeah, yeah. kind of cautious with that. Um, but so those guys we called the lifestylers, and then when we had it, we had a group called the devotees 
who um, again got into the sport before 2012 and did nine or more hours of training. Um, we found that the average household size was slightly less at 2.4 for the devotees. It's a little bit, you know, maybe less kids running around perhaps and uh, uh, a bit more time to train. And you also mentioned that the devotees tend to be the higher income earners as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the average salary across the entire sample is 45,000. Coming in at the, the starter level, it's a little bit lower at 42. Uh, the lifestylers, you know, those up to eight hour guys are 47 and then the devotees goes up to 48 as an average. So increasingly we see that the, um, the, the average salary, you know, steps, steps up slightly as, as you, the more time effectively you're spending in, in, in the sport. It's a good excuse for the wife, John, isn't it? You know, you say, look, babe, I need some more money. I've got to go training. <laughs> that's, you know, it's, that's the message, we guys. Be, we, yeah, we've got to be careful. We're not saying there's any causative link between <laughs> doing triathlon and earning more money. We have to be very careful about, about that. We're going to always skew the numbers. <laughs> Yes, lies and lies and down statistics. You have to be very careful. 83% of triathletes have college degree. That's quite a high rate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, very high, very high level. And that was across the board. All types of triathletes, uh, in fact, had a you know, college or degree level, uh, you know, degree or postgrad education. Uh, and again, you know, generally um, high levels of employment, you know, in the sort of 93 to 95% mark, either, you know, employed or entrepreneur self-employed. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, the, and the male female split we had in, in, in within the sample was around about seventy five twenty five, and that female split goes slightly um, the, the ratio rather goes up slightly in favour of females as they, they become more devoted the longer they're in the sport for as well. Um, so I mean, in terms of the, the information you gathered, was there anything else um, that you wanted to share? And, and, and if not, um, what's your sort of plan for? You know, the next sort of you guys are coming into season now. So, what are your sort of plans for um, for the season? Yeah, well, in terms of stuff to share, I suppose one of the sort of stat that we thought was quite interesting was we we asked um, about uh, doing a triathlon overseas, and um, one in five um, stated that they 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 did do a, a triathlon overseas in 2012, mm. uh, which which we thought was quite interesting. Um, not surprising. I mean, we had an absolutely awful summer last year. So mm. if I was, you know, if anyone had get on a plane and go somewhere warm to to, to race, um, we, we we found interesting. The other sort of stat related to that question was we asked, would you consider travelling overseas in the future? Uh, and 74% said yes. Mm. Um, and again, maybe that reflects the fact that in in the UK we have some, you know, can have a pretty awful summer from time to time. Um, but I also, I think it just shows that there are. You know, events that individuals want to do on the continent, in the U.S. and further afield that, um, uh, you know, are, again, uh, part of that aspirational drive that they have and something that's very, very important to them. Um, so, yeah, in, in terms of what we're doing next, we're, we're you know, we're, we're collating the data, uh, you know, working through, obviously sharing that data with the Triathlon Industry Association member companies, getting feedback. We've got retail interviews to do to cross-reference uh, uh, the findings that we've got so it's not just all about the survey and then we'll be issuing the reports hopefully um, in, in April is the plan cool. so uh, those are the, the steps we've got ahead and what about yourself you, you, the picture of you on your on your Skype ID of you riding your bike are you a, an active athlete yourself <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm a, a worse than mid-pack uh, age grouper yeah I've got um, Ironman UK coming up this year it's my second one so nice. uh, uh, 
Yeah, I did. I did the first Ironman Wales, and uh, I, it nearly killed me with the hurricane coming in and yeah. the wind. But uh, I'm kind of a bit of a, maybe like like you guys. You know, we're all masochists, aren't we? So. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, if people want to find you, um, give us a plug, the website, and everything. Yeah, well, in terms of the, the Triathlon Industry Association, that, that's pretty easy. It's triathlonindustryassociation.org. So uh, anyone, you know, any guys listening, obviously interested in finding out a bit more about the data, we'd be happy to, you know, share some of our findings. Um, and it'd be great, obviously, if companies are listening and, you know, it might be of interest to them too. Sweet. Awesome, Gary. Good luck with your yeah, training time, this, this season. And, thanks, um, and you. Cheers. And uh, let's hope you have a decent decent summer of uh, weather. I know it's been a pretty, pretty crappy winter. So, uh Thanks very much for coming on. Thanks, guys. Take care. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Okay, John Bo, what do you think of the interview? It's good. Yep, yep. No, I think, um, yeah, I it, think it, it's quite different stats, as he, he mentioned there. You know, we've, um, we looked at once, I looked at the Triathlete magazine, they had their little prospectus on, on you know. What, the average wage was like 250,000 US? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, that was dreaming. Yeah, but... Um, uh, yeah, uh, this looks like legit stats, and versus the stuff that uh, that a that a that a marketing company is going to put out for you um, because they want you to advertise with them. Um, so it was it was good. Maybe we should have an IM talk interview, uh, not interview survey. Okay, you, what, what? you can do that. That's fine. Well, let's do it. Yep. yep. There you go. <laughs> Job done. Go to imtalk.me and Bevan will have the survey up. I tell you what, you're still talking about your question, aren't you? No, no, I've got that. <laughs> Should you have to do a 70.3 to qualify for an Ironman? Wait a second. That's, that wasn't the question. That, that was my one that I was going to use this week. Okay, the one I was going to use was... Um, well, let me write it down because uh, you can put it out there just so people have a few weeks to think about it. Okay, wait a second, I need to put it up. Um, extra mile. Okay, so the question is, what is... What is the one thing you know you should do for your training but you never do? Oh, that's weak. No, John. Because that's the thing that makes himself aware of themselves and reflect and create change. What is the one thing? <laughs> what is the one thing you should Anyway, back do to the stats. Don't. Stats. So I'll just put a little you know what was strike through on that one. <laughs> 56% of triathletes start with running. That's not surprising though, is it? Really? Okay. Well, obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> You're giving me nothing today. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for being a long time listener of the show. This is the last show ever. <laughs> but that's, um, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised about that. Really? Go running in there? Oh, I don't know. Hadn't really thought about it. Okay. Thanks, Bevan, though. Yeah, thanks for that. But thank you very much to Gary for that interview. It was good, insightful stuff. Yeah, really good. We're now going to have is another interview straight away. No, we're going to do a sponsor first. Oh, sponsor. Coffees of Hawaii. Hawaii. Dot com. Dot com. If you want your regular supply of coffee turning up, if you want, don't want to think about things. Recurring, John. You recurring. want a recurring thing happening in your life. Fresh roast. Do you know what, John? I, I'd love to have a recurring delivery because mm. I get protein powder. Because look mm. at those guns, mate. Look at those guns. I'll tell you, I've been yeah. training with Billy Bill Norton for my news. All oh, right, yeah. You know, yeah. Billy Norton. He needs to give me some love. He's always ringing me up, asking me for scoops. He never helps me out with any of my stuff. Well, because your sport's not big enough. Well, my house tribal race. You know, it's got a few, fair few people out there. Nah, it's, it's not one news anymore. <laughs> it is. There's not much going on at that time of the year in the news. <laughs> well, okay. I'll give. Oh, where's my training buddy? Mm. So I might be able to hook a brother up. There you go. Yeah. Tell him to come and do my story on Project 2014. I'm sure that will be the lead story on yeah. my news. Yeah. John Newsom. <laughs> yeah. John Newsom. Lost a leg 20 years ago. He's had it reattached. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they've done their website up. Coffees of Hawaii. Oh, it looks slightly different. When was the last time you... They've got some new pictures there. 
Oh, it's a bit more all picture based. Yes, yeah, and I got some cartoony of the coffee things. Cartoony of the coffee things. Well, it looks as you know, it's a graphical version of the coffee, not the picture. Okay, I'm liking it, Albert. Good yeah. work. Yeah, you probably remember go. We did that eight months ago. <laughs> Still, just that. Uh, so, if you cool. want your recurring delivery, fresh roast coffee delivered to your door on the f- a schedule that you choose for a limited time, get a free cappuccino cup and saucer when you sign up for our recurring delivery, and your first three deliveries ship free. Well, and that's what I was saying about my big guns. Is yeah. that I get protein powder and it tends to run every two months. And then you've got to mm. go through all this process of going to the website and putting in your address. And mm. It's just a hassle. I know I'm going to want it. Set up recurring delivery. I'm much more happier. And that's what yeah. you can do with these guys. Uh, do you, when you get a haircut, do you rebook for your next haircut and things like that? No, that's because I'm not thing. consistent. Yeah, see, I need to be. Coffee needs to be consistent. No, coffee does, but haircuts. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do haircuts. I'm thinking about getting Propecia. What? I mean, I mean, in fact, I don't even know what that is. Um, I'm just joking. Yeah. So um, check it out, coffeesofhawaii.com. If you want um, just a, a one-off delivery, then obviously go into imtalk.me. We've got a bunch of promo codes. Now, when you do there. the recurring delivery, John, can you mm. determine what time period you can do it over? You certainly can. Oh, that's you, great. You choose um, the schedule that you want. So if you want it bi-monthly, if you want it every fortnightly. Oh, they um, go even days, John. Yeah. You can get it done every five days if you're that hardcore. Yeah. And it goes right up to 90 days. There you go. That is really good. Because you can kind of, after a while, you figure out, okay, I have a cup of coffee in the morning mm. at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, yeah. you know, and you can figure out how much you're drinking of this stuff. And then, you know, you can go, okay, kind of every 14 days. And then you might figure out, actually, it's every 12 days and you can just go and change it. Yeah. So There you go. Check it out, guys. Coffees of Hawaii. Are you, are you done? I'm done. Okay. Yeah. Coffeesofhawaii.com. Check, check, check it out. Okay. We've got another interview coming up and John's got an interview with his mate, Craig. Yes. Have I met Craig? Uh, I think you have. Yeah. So from Bike Cycle, which is the bike shop that I'm working for. Where is it? Are you uh, working for them? No, I'm not working for no, them. You're selling no, stuff. No, sorry, I'm oh. working with them. Um, but I do want to stress that, um, and I, I say this in the interview, the, the power meters they're, they're doing, they can basically ship them pretty much anywhere except for Europe. Um, but well, that's a big value, chunk of the world. value for money, awesome. You know, really? I mean, you're looking at. Uh, have you got a power meter now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Yeah, so I mean, you, for the unit itself, you're looking at um, around about 1300 bucks. It's pretty good for a power unit. There's nothing compared to what there used to be like SRMs, five, six grand and stuff. Um, and then you've got to have a, a, a Garmin or whatever to connect with it, and you may need to get probably need to get new cranks and stuff. But you know, you're looking sort of 15, 1600 bucks New Zealand. Um, so Aussies and Kiwis and stuff. This is it's a, What's it's a good option. Um, bikecycle.co.nz. I'll put a link to that on www.iamtalk.me. Mm. Okay. And, uh, oh. so, so really, my, my, most of today's discussion is around um, is around sort of cadence because I'm doing a lot of cadence work, a lot of over cadence work, and um, and Craig sort of talks through the rationale behind behind some of that. And uh, we're going to tr- try to do pretty pretty regular interviews because he's a man with a lot of knowledge and um, and he can explain things more eloquently than I can in terms of. Uh, what we're trying to achieve with my bike program at the moment. I do want to stress, and I say this, I think once in the interview, is you've got to remember that I am not in training for Ironman at the moment. I'm on an 18-month plan, and if, if I was building up for a race, um, I'd be doing totally different stuff. Um, so, so if you look at Project 2014, don't expect to see what he'd be doing close to this time next year. Exactly. Okay. Um, although this time next year you would have already qualified. Fingers crossed. And we need to talk about that bit, actually. I've got to write that down. Yeah. Bit. Have you put that in the show notes? I have not. Okay, bit. Um, okay, here's the interview. Right, I'm sitting here at uh, Bike Cycle with Craig Sherritt. Um, 
Craig's been helping me out with my bike bike program at the moment, and uh, a lot of people have had some questions on that. You can also, if you're interested, you're following all my training on um, Coach John Coach John Project 2014. You'll see the link to Training Peaks, which has got all my power information in there, and you can uh, the guys at Bike Cycle have got the the Power to Max, um, which I'm riding, which I'm loving, and uh, and also my Sipo, which is going incredibly fast, and also I am uh, loving how well it handles in the hills. So Craig was on a little while ago, and he's back again. So welcome back, Craig. Hi, thanks, John. Right, and I guess most of the questions we've had um, while I've been getting around my training is, what the hell am I doing all this uh, high cadence work and um, and uh, and push, pushing things pretty clearly? And and just a couple, a bit of background on that. I, I, a lot of you guys out there listening are either have just finished your build ups and doing Ironman New Zealand, Ironman Australia, or you're at the start of your season and you're building up for a, for a mid season North American or European um, Ironman. And I just got to stress that at this stage in my program, it is basically an 18 month plan. Um, my f- sole focus is being as fast as I can um, next October, so Kona 2014. So the training I'm doing at the moment is not specific to a race build up or anything like that. And um, it's really focused on on trying to get me to be a better cyclist swimming and running is not particularly important to me right now as was seen in my 10k race last week um, which was abysmal um, but yeah we're just going to try to go through a few things uh, around pedaling efficiency cadence and my um, training at the moment so Craig people are asking what is pedaling efficiency it's a term they're not quite sure on so can you sort of explain what you mean by pedaling efficiency? Yeah, sure. It's uh, it's a good question, and there's quite a few elements to do to do with it. And probably just sort of briefly summing up the difference between, I guess, uh, a cycling efficiency versus, say, economy. Um, efficiency, I guess, for a given amount of energy expenditure, how well we're converting that energy expenditure into actually propelling the bike forwards. Um, so we're we're really just looking at at, at how effective our power output is I guess. Uh, Economy takes into account a few other things like aerodynamics. So uh, our pedaling efficiency we're simply focusing on how well the muscles are working in synergy for us to um, ride at a certain amount of power output uh, as best as possible. So when we look at improving pedaling efficiency there's two elements to that. So if we're riding at let's say our Power outputs measured in watts. Um, our power is created through a combination of torque and RPM. So it's our muscle force and it's our cadence. They're the two parts to it. So, so torque is basically, explain what you mean by torque, because some people don't understand torque. Okay, okay, so torque is, the easiest way to explain it, is a force which is applied about a circular motion or, or, or around an axis. So if we uh, lift up a weight, we're applying uh, force to move that weight up, but that's not torque. Uh, we could lift up a weight in a vertical motion. Torque is where we're applying a force and it's rotating about an axis. So because we have a crank arm, we're applying a force in a circular motion and that's explained as torque. So power output, regardless of whether it's a car or a human, is always a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. It's a combination of our torque and our RPM. We might have a, a race car that will produce high RPM like a Formula 1 car but particularly low torque. We might have a diesel truck engine which can't rev very high but it can produce a lot of force in the engine. So we have people have big variations. Mm. Um, although humans typically are 
the amount of torque we can put out on the bike is actually typically quite low. Mm. Um, if you took an exercise uh, exercise machine at the gym where you perhaps fixed your body into it, humans can push a huge amount of force with their muscles. Mm. We can't do that on a bike because of the way we're actually fixed on the bike. So. When it comes to increasing our pedaling efficiency, we look at those two elements. We look at torque and we look at RPM. And we try and separate the two and work on each of them specifically. So what we're doing for you at the moment is we are looking at uh, improving your RPM range. Mm -hmm. The torque range will come a little bit later on. Mm -hmm. We typically will do things at a, a lower power output before we do things at a higher power output. Yeah. Hence the majority of your work at the moment is, um, it's not particularly high in terms of your power output range mm -hmm. and we're focusing on a higher cadence mm -hmm. as well. And I don't know if we've talked yet about um, how someone's, uh, typically someone's efficient cadence will relate quite well to being 50% below their maximum cadence. Not sure if we've discussed no, that. No, so maybe to explain that because I did a, a little mini test where we were doing every one minute I would do about five seconds increasing the power every every minute by I think it was 10 watts and I think I got up to 187 cadence cadence, yep. cadence yeah so up to 187 rpm so yeah maybe explain that if, if people are trying to figure out what their optimal cadence is I know it's, it's a very broad question but maybe explain that um, I think it's a CTL test you talk about so we have what's called a maximum coordinated limit test um, that's I guess the easier to, way to explain so I'll talk to you about, about what that test is and why anyone can actually go out and do that test it's, it's really interesting to do um, I make a lot of comparisons to vehicles because in <laughs> some ways everybody understands power for a vehicle and, and yeah. we know that an engine revs and, and an engine has torque and a human body in some ways is, is the same there so let's take our car that we drive around and we might have our car might have a maximum rev range of 6,000 rpm. Mm -hmm. The car can do 6,000 but we're not going to drive around town at that mm. because we're going to overheat the engine, the car's going to use a lot of petrol, it's going to be very inefficient. Mm. The car's probably going to work most efficiently at maybe 3,000 rpm or 2,500 rpm. Human body a little bit the same way. So a lot of people will focus on a cadence which they've been told to ride at. 90 rpm, 80 rpm. However, we often don't actually know if that's a very efficient cadence for us. We're mm. just told to ride at it. We know through studies that it's roughly right. Mm. But how well actually are muscles working at that rpm? And one way is through uh, a high-tech power meter which will measure torque on both left and right crank arms. Mm. It's probably a discussion for another time. Another way is some, a test that we can do very simply ourselves, and we can do this without a power meter. Mm. So what we find that in, in various uh, cycling disciplines, I sort of use that broadly because this covers mm. triathlon through to track cycling, there's a correlation between somebody's maximum cadence and the cadence they'll actually race at. Mm. So let's take one extreme, for example, take a track sprinter. A track sprinter is racing for 10 seconds, typically at an RPM of about 150 to 160. What's interesting is that the, the top limit, I, I think there's been a, a track sprinter, a Japanese track sprinter recorded at 300 RPM mm. for a couple of seconds. Now that's with short crank arms, mm. but that puts in perspective how efficient their pedal stroke is. Mm. They can pedal at 300, they race at 150, roughly 50% of that. If we take a pursuit rider on the track, they're typically pursuiting at 120 to 130 RPM, 
It'll vary a little bit depending on the person. Their maximum limit will be in the 250 to 260 range. Mm. Now when I say maximum, that's simply, uh, that's not taking into account being smooth on their bike. That simply is how quickly can we move our legs around for a couple of seconds? Mm. What is our, literally, our maximum coordinated limit? We cannot, it's the point at which we can't coordinate our muscles mm. any faster. Mm. If we take a road cyclist, an elite road cyclist, 100 to 110 RPM, they'll be quite efficient at. I'll be able to hold that for a long time. Typically, the max will be in the range of 210 to 230. Mm. My maximum's 214. Mm. Um, at uh, you know, a, a good state of fitness, I would be quite happy riding at 100 to 110 in a road race. So as we go down through the disciplines, we find there's a correlation between the two. If somebody has a very low maximum coordinate limit, in relation to their requirement for their discipline, we know that they're gonna be outside of their efficient range. So if we take a road cyclist, and with that road cyclist, we know we need to aim at roughly 90 RPM. Mm. But let's say their maximum coordinated limit is only 160. Mm. We can assume pretty well, again, Mm. this is not using a, a proper torque meter test, but we can assume pretty well that that rider needs to do uh, specific cadence work to raise the maximum coordinate limit which is going to make them more efficient at that point of 90 rpm mm. so we have a tipping point we have a tipping point of our maximum coordinate limit at one end which will be whatever our maximum might be 180 is, mm-hmm. is typical for a lot of people mm-hmm. and then we have zero rpm at the other end which is very easy to do <laughs> one revolution as yeah. long as we can keep our pike balanced of course yeah. And as we go up through this range, we have a tipping point where we're actually not as efficient as what we think we are. And we're simply using more energy than perhaps what we really need to, to hold a required cadence. Um, It's important to hold a relatively high cadence in endurance sport so that we don't fatigue our muscles too quickly. The lower the cadence, the higher the torque. The higher the torque, the greater the muscle contraction force and there's simply gonna be more fatigue with that over a period of time. Mm. So just briefly explaining how people can go out and do their own maximum coordinated limit test. It's very, very easy. You will need a cadence computer. What you're gonna do is after a little bit of warm up for 10 or 20 minutes, however long you normally do it, going to go and do uh, a five second burst in your lowest gear on the flat. Now we're not testing how fast you can ride, we're only testing how quickly can your legs turn around. And we're going to build up to this point. So we'll start off and we'll do our first five second bursts at 100 RPM in our lowest gear. That's going to be very easy. Why five seconds? The reason is it'll typically take us two to three seconds to actually reach our maximum cadence. And the computer, soil computer, will typically need two seconds to get an accurate reading. So beyond five seconds, there's no further usefulness for that. So we're going to do a five second burst and then we're going to ride easy for a minute. And we'll start at 100 RPM. The next one we'll do at 110 RPM, and then we'll ride easy for a minute. The third one we'll do at 120. And we're gonna continue to increase 10 RPM every minute. Remember, do this in your lowest gear, because we're only testing pedal speed. Mm. Now you'll get to a point at which it starts to get difficult. You'll get to a point at which your pedaling technique is very, very rough. Continue to go until you cannot increase any higher. Mm. And find out what that is. And compare that to what is currently your, what we would call your freely chosen Mm. race cadence. Um, if there's any disparity between that rough 50% rule, we know there's work that can, that can be done. So a lot of people uh, will ride at a lower cadence than perhaps what they should be riding at. 
uh, although there is some trends towards writing at lower cadences, there's some evidence which backs that up. Um, it doesn't mean that everybody should take that as a blanket rule and not work on improving their efficiency because efficiency is important at any cadence mm. and cyclists typically overlook it. Yeah. Um, athletes who are doing ball sports will spend the majority of their time training on technique. Uh, cyc any cycling discipline uh, is um, incredibly bad for thinking, well, we're in a fixed movement, we're pedaling in a circle, we did it when we were a kid, how difficult can it be? Yeah. Well, it's not difficult. Um, <laughs> However, if we want to do it as best as possible, yeah. it requires some specific work, just like any other sport. Um, and I would say when you're doing that test, just to reiterate what Craig was saying, is you, you are in your easiest gear and um, it's, if you've never done it before, as I hadn't, it is, um, it's a bit different and you really are spinning very, very fast. And the other thing, um, we race on our aero bars, so do it on, do it on your aero bars um, because uh, yeah, that's the position you're going to be in when you race. Yeah, absolutely, and, and because there can be, and often there will be, and, and for a matter of interest, a rider could do it on both bikes. If you've got a road bike, do it on mm -hmm. your road bike. Um, you'll typically get a higher result perhaps riding on the drops of the bars mm. um, because it brings your back a little bit lower over the pedals, a bit more stability. Whereas yeah, on, on your triathlon bike, uh, definitely do it on your race position. Mm. You will get a different result than if you do it on the road bike. And I will say, since um, I've been training since first of start of February and we did a time trial on the first day basically of training and I think my self-selected cadence when I did that was either 89 or 90 and I sort of certainly am noticing having spent you know six six weeks or so doing some cadence that my self-selected cadence has probably lifted by close to five rpms um, which is more half what what I had you know if my, my my max was 187 I was riding at 90 I'm now thinking I'll be more sort of 93 94 95 around about that mark so it's interesting to see how the change how the change goes and when I actually now ride at uh, high 80s or 90 um, I do feel a little bit sluggish so um, I think that's covered off um, essentially what is pedaling efficiency and we've, we've sort of touched a little bit on on big gear riding and, and I guess we could probably spend hours sitting here talking about um, you know riding at a lower cadence and you guys all know like the team TBB athletes like um, Xena and stuff they're, they're often racing at I guess probably around 70 rpm and that's I don't know it's just a different way of different way of riding but I dare say that they would probably be out there doing they would not be doing every single ride at 70 rpm um, is often what we see. Yeah, um, absolutely not. And and I perhaps probably to to sum up the the method that we're using uh, mm. for your training, John, is that when we when we expand the training range of, of someone's RPM, and at the moment we're gradually expanding you into a higher RPM, mm. and, and it will continue a little bit higher, but we'll also go. There will be a period where we'll expand back the other way mm. what ends up happening is that your freely chosen race cadence because we're not trying to pigeonhole you in here into necessarily mm. riding an Ironman at a higher cadence but what we're trying to do is train your muscles far better than what they've ever been trained before mm. by looking at as I say the two elements of power torque and mm. rpm and we're going to work on expanding both of those ranges at different periods we're working on rpm right now what will end up happening is, is that your freely chosen race cadence will end up being uh, far more uh, accurate or perhaps representative of your genetic makeup mm. than perhaps what it would be if you were just told to ride at that lower cadence. Mm. So um, that's uh, 
it, it'll be interesting to see over the 18 months how that progresses mm. with your race cadence with the work that we're doing yeah so so with with my training you know you've, you've worked with a few triathletes what are your sort of objectives you know around um what we're trying to achieve at the moment and, and i guess i'll start this by when when we first before we started chatting here was um Craig is really saying, you know, at the moment it's really a lot about data gathering and seeing what I'm all about. Um, so you'll see all these different different sorts of workouts that I'm doing on my training log and wondering what the hell is the objective there. But for you, as a big part of it is, is just gathering the data. Yeah, absolutely. So I've worked with a, a lot of riders um, with training with power meters, uh, specifically probably more so over the last couple of years um, as power meters have become more commonly used. And what I typically find is that if, if monitored well, we should be able to get very, very accurate with our training sessions. It'll take around about 12 months. Mm. Um, anyone who thinks that they can achieve the best accuracy for that athlete and less than that is probably being a little bit unrealistic. And it just mm. shows how much work can be done with a power meter if used as a tool. So what we're looking at in the moment is the first stages. So we do have an eye on the overall goal, of, of course, and mm. your events that are progressing along the way. But initially it's to get an idea of how your body's responding to different training sessions. Um, we've got different intervals put in there. Mm. Uh, we have some in- intervals of, of uh, increasing power outputs of the same durations. We have some pyramid intervals, which are different durations. Um, There'll be some micro intervals soon, which we'll talk about a little bit later on as well. So what we're looking at at the moment is in that data gathering stage where the training plan does have an overall goal, but that's fairly loosely defined at the moment. That'll That'll become far more targeted month by month as we go on. It'll sort of start to become really clear after about a six month period mm-hmm. when we can say, you know, very, very specifically, we're going to be going out and doing, you know, X endurance ride at, at, at X power output at a certain cadence, and that's going to progress on, you know, four days later to doing, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of progression from there. So we're simply working on very short blocks at the moment, working on two week blocks, mm-hmm. and we're responding how your training goes with that. So far, um, you've actually been keeping to the, the sessions incredibly well. It's, it's, it's very difficult. In fact, if we're actually gathering data, we don't want somebody to be able to easily do all the sessions. I wouldn't say I'm easily doing yeah. anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, we we want to be finding those limits, you know, just yeah. as we're talking about, about limits with, with RPM, uh, you know, the very detailed part of that. We're also talking about uh, overall limits with, uh, you know, with, with a given amount of, um, power output for a certain duration or how many reps can you do at a certain percentage of your functional threshold power mm. there's a whole bunch of different things there isn't a targeted plan that can be easily defined right now mm. so that'll come later but we're working on a short two week cycles as we become more familiar with uh, how your body's responding to those training uh, those short training sessions or, or I guess cycles of two weeks mm. then we'll expand it out to four weeks and as we expand it out to four weeks there'll be a little bit of more of a defined plan mm. then when we go through a couple of four week cycles then we can start penciling in say a three-month cycle with a, but again though even though it may be longer cycles the power outputs will still be monitored on a weekly basis mm. um, and this is the great thing with a power meter is that uh, if you go and do a session and you've got five reps of a given duration and you only manage three and the fourth one you only get halfway 
we know the following week we're not going to progress perhaps to the level we thought we were. We actually may even reduce it down a little bit. And uh, from working in the past with athletes, I've normally found that within six, especially 12 months, we can be specifying sessions to within cadence ranges of two or three RPM mm-hmm. within power outputs of five or 10 RPM. And uh, that's when it gets, uh, it gets really exciting for the athlete as well. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you know we're we're really we have a really defined idea at that point of what the athlete's ability is, mm. how you're progressing as well, and uh, and that that all of that information adds up to being very very useful on race day. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, no, there's, been, there's certainly a few challenging sessions in there, <laughs> a few blow ups, you drop dropping the bottom lift. I'm looking forward to a 40, 40 kilometer effort tomorrow at five uh, percent under FTP be interesting um good now guys we've talked a lot about power and cadence and what have you today and um and i've said this before that uh you know in the past i've really struggled to justify people going out and spending five or six grand on an srm or anything but with the power to max the price point that it's at and performance wise is as good as anything out there um and these guys at bike cycle have got them so you can check check it out at uh, bikecycle.co.nz and they can ship it pretty much anywhere in the world except sort of europe yeah yeah pretty much um you know there's already suppliers in europe but uh yeah. we, we send a lot of these units to australia yeah um we'll send the odd unit uh, quite a few to japan and mm. and around the other place as well so uh, and if you can't send it they'll hook you up with whoever, whoever yeah can. yeah ab- absolutely um, you know, I guess this is going to, the use of this tool or power meter in general mm. um, is going to be able to take your cycling to a level that you haven't been able to before and that's what's mm. going to be really exciting about it. Um, just probably to finish off maybe yeah, from yeah. my side, John, uh, if anyone, we've covered some detailed topics really quickly yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> in this session and, and uh, there's a lot of things which I would have liked to have elaborated further yeah, yeah. but perhaps, um, perhaps haven't for the time that we've got. Uh, if any of the listeners do have specific questions, um, maybe email them through to me, and, absolutely, and we can have a bit of a question and answer session. There's lots of things I want to go over, like um, you know, tire selection, chain selection, chain lube. There's a, because as I've said on my website, when I go to Kona next uh, in 2014, I want to have every single base covered as as best as I can in terms of bike position obviously the training takes takes care of itself to a degree um but in terms of equipment i want to sort of be trying to check off and craig is an equipment geek so he loves all that stuff um so you guys that's a good idea actually maybe for we're going to try to do these semi-regularly um because there'll be lots of questions on the training but if you've got questions flick them through to me and we can have um the odd question and answer session absolutely no problem uh you want to challenge us on what we're saying and and uh you know some some critical feedback or whatever um definitely it it makes for an interesting conversation and hopefully it's interesting worth listening to as well perfect thanks Craig. yes i hadn't haven't listened to the interview yet yes it was outstanding what how long did it go for about 23 minutes i think yeah uh john yes why would you bother going to cadence what's the benefit I'm not repeating the interview. Listen to the interview and ask me that question next week. It's uh, it's I'm really enjoying. um, It's something slightly different. And um, have you lost speed in doing it? Yeah, have you you know because no. obviously long term you well, want to gain. this week this week I'm doing a time trial um, and we you can't always expect when you're changing training influences yeah. for things to happen just like that no, and sometimes you take a step backwards before you take a step for- forwards but in terms of my feeling on the bike I'm feeling faster because um, sometimes we used to do those intervals of Gordo where you do you know 15 minutes standing and big chain ring and then mm. 15 minutes seated and big chain ring and then you know fast cadence mm. 
and I could never stay with people with the fast cadence. I could never really generate the mm. speed. Mm. And uh, and obviously I was a bit more of a strength based athlete, but I, I yeah, I used to find that really, really tough. And I'd always thought to myself, why would I bother trying to increase my cadence? Yeah, well, listen to that interview. Well, I'm going, going to. to. That's the first doing, thing I'm doing today, John. Going to be doing follow ups and stuff. Um, but it's it's a trained effect. You've got to yeah, you've got to you got to train it for a while. And uh, well, like, yeah, and, and, I, and when you've got fast cadence, you've got to make sure you've got better pedal stroke as well, don't you? Mm, yeah, so we talk about pedaling efficiency. Oh, well, there you um, go. So doing I'll the talk. over cadence work can help with your pedaling efficiency. So when you come back down to your yeah. what your self selected um, cadence is, uh, you're actually pedaling a lot smoother, and you get more power per RPM. Yes. Yeah. So, um, sponsor Extreme Endurance, and I've got to say I've been cranking down a little bit of the uh, the execute lately. Have you? I chuck it in my kick-ass blender, and uh, how's that I, blender going? That's awesome, John. My blender's done to get sparks in it. It's time yeah. for me to upgrade. Do you know what happened uh, when we were riding? I was riding with a holy hammer on Saturday morning. Pretty. How's early. it going? He's going right. I thought he retired. Yeah, he's coming out of time. He's coming to Kona Camp. Um, <laughs> he will never retire. And. We rode going down Tram Road, and there was a car on fire on the side of the road. Oh, literally on fire? Yeah, there was sparks and flames coming out of the, the bonnet and everything. It was was someone in there? No, they'd got out, and there was lots of people crowding around, and I was like, I wouldn't be that close to that car if I was Yeah, here. wow. That was pretty fun. But anyway, um, been cranking a bit of the Execute, and uh, you can just mix it in with um, milk. I think you mix it in with water as well if you want, just in a drink bottle with their special little gizmo thing that we were we were fascinated by yep. a few years ago. And um, But I chuck it in a smoothie with milk, with uh, some banana, with a bit of uh, spinach in there as well. Spinach? Oh, yeah. Go chuck some spinach. Spinach in a milkshake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chuck it in there. How much do you put in? Oh, good, good handful. Really? Brilliant. Brilliant. Does it make, oh, doesn't, ch- doesn't change the flavour at all. And then you're just getting this full-on... Beautiful green nutrients. Do you have a Do you have a milkshake book? I don't. Well, I don't. Know, I'm, I was supposed to be on coming with my blender. They still didn't bloody send it. And how much do you pay for that blender? About five hundred. <laughs> I reckon you need to rent them. Yeah. So what you put your execute in there? Some yeah. spinach. Yeah. Yeah. Milk. Banana. Yeah. Banana and. Do you put protein in there? No, Execute's got it. it oh, what you need. Oh, great. So, um, beautiful, and I love the flavour of the Execute. So, um, they got the have you got the chocolate. I've got chocolate. I haven't tried the vanilla yet, but you guys in, this, in North America, they have got the vanilla now. Um, Vanilla's nice. Yeah, so check it out. It's, it's just a fantastic um, you know, recovery drink and also um, you know, helps your performance. So check it out. It's uh, Go to xendurance.com. Use the promo code IMTALK5. You get five bucks off all your deliveries. And uh, yeah, they've got an automated auto, automatic delivery as well. Oh. And you save a couple of bucks when you do that. Wow. So if you know it's you, it's, one thing's going to last you a month or whatever, you just put it on auto delivery. There you go, it's John. Auto delivery month. Yep. Endurance guys, get on it. Make sure you get it. And you, can get, you execute. And you two can put spinach mm. in your drink. Mm-hmm. What, whatever yeah. random things do you put in there? Um, I, I, I dabble with a bit of celery, but you've got a you got a flavor. Celery adds a big flavor yeah, to it, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So with the kids, I'll do celeries and pears and um, pears are right, a bit sweet. Yeah, but you got to try to get rid of the celery flavor. So pears, um, pears helps with that. Do you do um, the honey trick? I uh, do a little bit of vanilla, vanilla, vanilla essence, pure, proper vanilla essence, natural stuff, not the synthetic crap. No, um, you'd never put that in your body. No, and uh, with the kids, do a bit of banana and a little bit of cocoa powder, and uh, we, Tommy's on uh, oat milk at the moment. Oat, oat milk. milk. Yep, oat milk. How's it going for the kids? Uh, he's okay with that. It's bloody, it's really hard with that. We have some real challenges with his diet. Can't have normal milk, no dairy, can't have soy milk, can't have anything with um, soy lecithin in it. Oh, it's bloody, it's really hard work. When you go out for dinner yeah. and the kids aren't there, do you go all out? 
No, we go <coughs> out. No, we wouldn't take the kids out for dinner. That would no, no, no. That. As in you, you and Belinda with oh, other yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, we always do that. And you go yeah. all out because you don't have to worry about the food you're eating? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. But we'd do that with we had the kids with us as well. They just get something different. Oh, okay. Okay, um, can just call a bit, John? Bit of music. music? Yeah. We, we got a comment on Facebook the other day. Someone was saying they love the country music. So let's oh, bring it back. Bring it back. Here we go. Here's some country for you. Coaches Corner. Do you like a bit of country? You do love a bit of country. When I was younger, John. Oh, we can't rant. We've got, we, it's a two-hour show, Bevan. People don't mind. Okay, rant. They love, rant. They love the rants. Go for rant. You're gonna do, you've got your own rant. I have. You've got John's section. rant section. <laughs> yeah, go, go rant. Sorry, rant. Well, when I was younger, my mum loved country, yep. and my dad did, which is, you know, okay. It's strange, yeah. Maybe if you lived in Texas, that's okay, yeah. but if yeah. you live in New Zealand, not many people are big on country, are they? I like all you people who live in Texas. No, no, I've got nothing that's country, Yeah. but if you're in New Zealand... It's it's an oddity. And... and Dolly and Kenny, that's about this country as you get up Tammy Wynette, have you heard of Tammy Wynette? No. Oh, man, I was brought up on Tammy Wynette. Mm-hmm. So anyway, loved country, and you kind of look back on your parents' music, and you go, because my mum was only, what, 19 when she had me, mm-hmm. 17 when she had my sister, that's how we were all in my family. Yeah. But, so, so you know, so all good. My mum was 27, she's into country. That's Crazy. a bit sad. Yeah. You know, sure, she was 50, you go, okay, well, that's okay, you get mm-hmm. a bit older, maybe you like country. Mm-hmm. But you're meant to be in the kind of cool music then. She's not she, cool. I disappointed cool. my mum. Anyway, um, Coach's Corner, what do you want to waffle on about? <laughs> <laughs> waffle, waffle, waffle. Um, just a few swim things. I've just I've been working with a number of guys of late uh, just trying to help them out with their swim pacing or lack of. Um, so I thought I might just share a little bit of that because uh, typically what I find with um, people who do not come from a swimming background is they have absolutely no clue whatsoever on uh, swim pacing and the swimming that they do is a very, very tight band. So for example, um, you know, if somebody's a, a one minute 50 swimmer for a, for a 1k time trial, that, what I find most of them do pretty much all their swimming between say 148 and 155, like a really small band of swimming um, and sometimes even closer and so they've got no top end and they have no bottom end uh, swimming and doing, you know, Varying your pace a lot more can ensure you're working in the right energy system. You're not always working too hard um, and you can get a bit more endurance. It's a bit like running, slightly less risk of injury. And uh, and also, yeah, if, help, if we can swim a little bit easier, you're going to have a bit more energy when the crunch comes to swim a bit faster for your main set work um, when you're really trying to push it. And then overall, we can try to improve your speed. So just a quick couple of quick methods that I use um, to help people figure out their zones and actually set up some swim zones and start to use the clock or their watch a bit more and if you've got a um, a watch you can use in the pool if you haven't got a good stopwatch on the wall like I use a Garmin 910 and then you can track all your swimming counts your distances and all that and counts your laps so you, need, you always know how much you've done and then you can actually look right I'm doing I'm doing a set of 200s and you hit your lap button each time and you know exactly what time you do so main point here is start to use your, your watch so this is what I get the guys to do to figure out their pacing I use the um, I usually use the, the, the swim smooth 
method that to calculate your CSS. We talked to Paul Newsom about yeah, that a while ago. Great interview. Um, just go in there, crank out a do a really good warm up, crank out a four hundred maximum effort time trial, um, swim easy for quite a while, and then crank out a two hundred, and then you can work out your CSS, which is around about your one k time trial pace. And then I normally back that up and get guys to actually do a one k time trial to see if that CSS score is in fact accurate. And then it's really important then working off your 1K time trial pace. And so you might think, right, well, my pace um, for a 1K time trial is 1 minute 45, for example. And really, this is just one really simple set to work on your pacing uh, that I um, get guys to. It's 9 by 200 metres, and you're descending 1 to 3, 4 to 6, and 7 to 9, and you're taking 20 seconds rest each 200. And the, what I mean by descending is that means your, your first rep is your slowest, your second rep is a bit quicker, and your third rep is a bit quicker still. And then you're going to repeat that cycle again. So your fourth rep would be the same pace as your first, your fifth rep would be the same as your second, and your sixth rep would be the same as your third. And in terms of the paces you want to be trying to hit, that first 200, you want to be at around about sort of seven, maybe eight seconds slower per 100 metres than your time trial pace. So... If your time trial pace is 1 minute 45 per um, 100 metres, that would mean that your time would be around about 3 minutes 44 for that 200. So you're going about 7 seconds slower per 100. The next one, um, you're going around about 3 to 4 seconds slower per 100. And then the third rep, you're going at your time trial pace. Typically if I'd give somebody that set and just say go and do it without doing a time trial or giving them any specific instructions, you would often see no change in pace or in speed um, between say number two and three. They might end up putting more effort in or perceived effort but you're not actually seeing any changes in speed. So using your clock can really ensure that we're... You know, your effort or increase of effort is actually going to mean any changes in speed. And that can also come back to race situations as well. Sometimes you can be putting in a huge amount more effort, but you're not actually going any quicker. So this is just a great little way to um, work on your pacing a little bit and um, and actually start using a clock to see whether you are actually going any quicker because swimming is very exponential. You know, when you get to a certain point to put on a huge amount more effort, you might only be going one to two seconds slower per hun- uh, quicker per hundred. Um, so you just got to use that in a race situation and knowing that you know sometimes it's a little more efficient, just go a little bit easier and you might lose a little bit of time, but you're going to save a lot of energy. Good times. Good times. That's enough. We'll roll on. Do you want some music for your rant? Because I'll get some angry <clears> music <throat> if you want. It's only going to be a quick rant. Ah, here we go. Music. That's how John's feeling on the inside right now, isn't it? Yes. You've got a rant of the week. So wait a second. So is a bit of anger happening in the inside of you? There is a bit of anger, Bevan. Why? Because so, you come around here and you look a little bit, you've got a new haircut. Yeah. You're a little bit worried about being cold. Yeah. But not too bad now. Not too bad. <laughs> not too bad. Crap out there. Well, we've had a pretty good summer. We can't complain. We can't complain. But something's, something's lit a flame, hasn't it, John? So last week, I'm, um, I'm assisting with the organisation of the regional primary schools champs. We had 850 kids racing. This is a limited entry race. Now, what age group? This is uh, 9 to 11-year-olds. So when do we lose them? Uh, once they get to high school. So yeah. what, how do you feel the gap? Um, working on it. Working on it? <laughs> yeah, working on it. But anyway, um, this is a long show, so I won't go into that today. So we're putting on this race, huge, big race. Um, 800 kids. Very, very hard to organise the kids in that. But <clears> I tell you what, adults need a bullet. Seriously, it is just blows my mind how dumb some parents are. John, careful. You put, you put, 
I just pray that I'm not one of those parents when I go. We put I've got up, a feeling we, you might be. We put up barriers all over the place, put up rope, you know, barriers, and to really try to keep the course clear, it doesn't stop parents. They just lift them up and just walk straight through them, straight in front of the kids. And they're racing. And they're racing. I'm just serious. I stand here with my megaphone and just start abusing them. Uh, yeah? Not very harsh abuse, but I'm like, it just blows me away. Do you go for, do you have public shaming? I do a bit of public shaming. So what do you say? And I'm just telling them to get off the course. <laughs> It's just mind-blowing. And then you get other parents who kind of know you a little bit and they want to go, oh, I'm just going to go into transition to grab, you know, Jimmy's bike. Like, no. Yeah. It's just, it's just me. It's just me. And I'm like, no. Who can't. is it? Name them. I'm not going to name them. Well, they know who they are. It's just bizarre that people just think they're that little bit special. They can, they can go in there. And then if you let 800 parents in there, it just frustrated me, Bevan. We had this particular corner. I just kept staying on the megaphone. Parents, do not come through this gap here. This is for the children only. Go around this way. You'd, you'd, hear, you'd see parents that clearly hear you and they'd still try to come through. Just mind-blowing. That's rant should, number one. What you should do next year, John, is put like electric shock or something. Oh, I'd love to do that. You know, so that actually they learn to listen. Yeah. 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 A taser. <laughs> That's right. You just got to get the first person. They will yeah. listen up. There's a lot of um, cops uh, that are triathletes. I'm going to get some taser guns. <laughs> and I'm aiming, I, I would. I would love to see that. And I ain't aiming for the body. I'm aiming for the testicles. <laughs> Even on the gills. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other thing I was thinking about. I think I might have been. I was in a bad mood riding home from from somewhere. And one thing that frustrates me, Kevin, <laughs> is um, you need a hug. Unprofessional. Per- Pro athletes and <laughs> wait a second. So you're riding home from somewhere. I was just I thought, God, I get annoyed with guys that consistently blow up on the bike or on the run, and they don't do anything about it. And we hear guys that are, that are not using power um, on the bike, and I go, "All oh, speed to you, know Who are you thinking about, well, John? Like Dylan won Wanaka without riding his power, and he had a really good run for him. He had a really yeah, good run. He had a blinder. So he obviously Bomb. paced himself well. Yep. Bevan had a great race, didn't clearly didn't ride to power, and um, but Bevan knows his body knows his body, had, had a good run. But for the guys that say, oh, I don't use power, and then um, consistently blow up on the bike, consistently John, go off the John, front. Who, who are you thinking of? I'm not naming anybody. There's, there's, Is this someone I know? Um, no, there's heaps of guys that do uh. this. Heaps of guys. So I'm not naming out any individuals. I just get frustrated when I see them time after time thinking, oh, I'm going to smash the bike and stuff. And uh, if you can't run under three hours, if you're a pro guy and you can't run under three hours, you shouldn't be racing. Okay. Just had to let that out. If, if you can't run under three hours in your pro. can't run three hours. Oh, that's not fair. Yeah, it is. What if you can ride a, a 4 for 17? You should still be able to run it under three hours. Any pro should be, if you're a male and you're not running under three hours, you're doing something wrong. It's harsh. You, I am. You, it was firing me up. What, what went wrong on that I, bike I, ride? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> don't know. Just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> he needs uh, anyway. Project 2014, John, what's happening? I've already sort of done, done the updates on that. Okay. but um, Sponsor. This weekend is Ironman Melbourne, and Athlinks loves races that are coming up, loves races that have yes, been in the past. and loves you. And you can go into Athlinks, and you can uh, put in the event that's coming up, and you can put in a bit of prediction, bit of smackdown talk in there. And this weekend in Melbourne, Martin Sim, Syme, his goal, his goal time is going to be the fastest Athlinks finisher. He's aiming for a 9.25, and his PR is 933. Well, that's realistic then. Average ten twelve. Well, but I think Melbourne's one of those courses that's going to be very weather dependent. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you get a headwind, you're not going to be in that PB. But mm. if you get the backwind, then you could smash it. Alan Kellegis, he's going aiming for it at nine thirty. That's a fifteen minute PB. 
Paul Hackett's aiming for 10 hours, which is a 26-minute PB. Paul, Paul Patterson, double P, PP. PP. PP from Honolulu is aiming for 10.30. That's a 36-minute PB. Wow. But I think taking the cape, Cam Langsford, I thought Cam used to live in Christchurch. He certainly used to. Uh, it says on here he's from Auckland. Aiming for a 9.50. His PB on here is a 10.56. Wow. That's a big PB. I wonder what the biggest ever improvement over you know race time is. And saying that you didn't, oh, it's hard to say you didn't blow up an eye, man. Mm-hmm. But if you were to actually, you had an okay race the first time, and then the second time, you know, you just absolutely blew, you know, maybe 13 hours, but you actually felt you had a good race, mm-hmm. and then suddenly you do like a, a 9.30. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure it has as well. Mm-hmm. Robert pa- Payerl from uh, Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, aiming for a 10.59. Matt Cross only wants to go one second under. He wants to go 10.59.59. Fair enough. As does Annette Lee, 12.59.59. Annette Lee? Yeah. She racing? Heading over there, yeah, yeah. What she want to do? 12.59.59. Come on, Annette. PB of 13.24.24. Yes, she can do it. So, yeah, we just need a nice day. of Clive Asplin. Come on, Clive. Epic, Epic camper, 10 hours. Debbie Hazelden used to be in Christchurch. I think she lives up in Auckland now. 11.30. Wow. Good thing about athletics, isn't it, John? You it go let people know what you're doing. It is. You can put your you can put your goals out there. You can be ambitious, or you can be a little bit kind of you know on the safe side. Another so there's plenty of guys here who are going for sub eleven. Tim Olson's going for ten fifty nine fifty nine. Peter Rainey's going for ten fifty nine. Gareth Flynn ten fifty nine fifty nine. There's going to be a lot of you guys finishing on here. There's quite a few that want to go ten fifty nine fifty nine. Imagine if it was just a big race for that. There you go. Line it up. If any of you guys are predicting ten fifty nine fifty nine. Try to aim it, and we could get a big Iron Talk finish crew going across, right. across yep. the line. Try to coordinate that during the race. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Sort it out. Hope you guys have a good day in there. Check it all out on athlinks.com. If you've got any races that are coming up, um, they'll, if they're big races, they'll probably already, already be in Athlinks, and you can just go on there, log in, click add to your calendar. You can lay a bit of SmackDown talk on there. Um, and if they're not in there, you can just add the event, and you can uh, put up your still put a bit of SmackDown talk there. Yeah, no, it's a good time to rock and roll. So that's athlinks.com, guys. Get on there, check it out. And uh, if you haven't joined up, make sure you do because this is a great resource for all endurance athletes. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, just a couple. Nick- nicknames. Nicknames, okay. So just uh, for those people who do donate to the show, and the money is going for our next year's Kona Fund, really, isn't it? Okay, yep, going to the Kona pool. So you can either do a. Uh... So all the money that gets for a donation, we just put towards our Kona pool. Yep. And uh, basically, so it's, it's one purpose, it's just to get us Kona. Now, admittedly, we're not going this year, but we probably need to start saving for next year we, as well we do so yeah. you basically either Sean do the pornos he's, he's actually said I'm quite willing to come along and be your helper because he knows you're training that would be fantastic yeah but we'll probably be need really to fundraise for him as well yeah oh he's got a real job he can, he can afford it <laughs> he hasn't it. right now he's not working isn't he no. he's got a kid as well isn't he yeah exactly so oh. come on let's, let's help porno out let's, por- let's help porno out there that's a good idea <laughs> um so nicknames, basically people either donate just one-off donations or you can do a dollar a month. Um, yeah, recurring. Which is a recurring delivery. Uh, recurring, recurring delivery. It is a recurring show. Um, so these people have donated. Um, some, if, if you want to donate, go to www.imtalk.me and on the front page there's a little link to say donate to the show. Click on that. And it just takes you through to a PayPal page. Michael Threadgold, Mazdenjin. He's a regular contributor. I, I don't think you enjoyed that one, to be honest. Well, he's got it. Do you want to do your next one? Next John's one, really proud of this next, next one. gold. Because <laughs> Richard Swan, let's, let's give a bit of context to it. So Richard Swan sent through an email, sent through a couple of emails over the last few weeks about Ironman New Zealand. Now, Richard Swan, 
likes to be the fastest runner and and and, and age he, group runner. And, and he does tend to be. He took um, Taupo in a time of three or three. He's either a link to the rankings. He's currently the world champion. Yeah, there's a number of Kiwis. So the IT WTC have got their world ranking systems up now for age groupers, and basically Kiwis are crushing it. We are the best in the world. I can't you mind. are loving it because we've had uh, 70.3 champs, which have probably got uh, heavily weighted, and uh, and also have had Ironman. So. Kiwis are kicking butt. And Richard Swan is currently the best. Oh, they do your overall time. So he's in a 7.3 mm. in an Ironman, mm. and his time is 14, 17, 23. Mm. And he's got 7,836 points, which makes him the world champion right now. Nice. Clever. Stop the competition Yeah, now. that's why I said you should stop it now. But then he came back and he started putting a bit of smackdown on John Newsom. He goes, I'm prepared to lay some coin down over Taupo time runs after Newton's smack talk. Newton's smack talk. How about $20 that he won't run faster than my 303? $20 that he won't get into top age group run time, and I'm prepared to lift the stack. I will pay, not a bet, he'll just give you $100 to him or a charity, I'm sure John will take the money, mm. um, that he won't get the fastest age group runtime by five minutes. At this stage, I haven't even entered. Maybe after doing Kona, I should be able to get the start line as I will be in the Hall of Fame. And John goes back to him. Yeah. So then John goes back going, oh, you want to you play that game, do you? You want to play the game because John loves a gamble. John goes, who cares about run splits? The finish time place is all that matters. I'll put $100 up that I'll be the first age grouper and will pay to a charity if I'm not. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, if others want to back themselves, uh, that they won't do, they can lay $20 down. So there we go. So then, and then I'm, I'm happy to put that little bit out there. So you're saying you're going to win all age groups? I mean, for the first age grouper, and I'll put a you are that is snack talk. And I'll put a hundred bucks down, and um, if anybody wants to bet against you, me, really, then you'll take first age group. Well, I'm putting it out there. I'm just yeah, put okay. it. Yeah, I'm not saying I will. I'm just saying, Bevan, I, and I'm not aiming for the win. Bevan McKinnon, he was obviously trying to win the first age group, and I'm in New Zealand. He well, must have blown. He must have blown up big time. Um, based off this year, I don't think it's a, an unrealistic task, but I'd have to have a very, very good race. But I, I don't think it's um, don't think it's a crazy sort of thing. It's quietly confident here. So, so I'll put I'll put a hundred bucks down, and I will uh, if I don't get first age group, I'll put a hundred bucks down. We'll donate it to a charity. If anybody wants to bet against me, um, we'll have to set some way of doing this up. I'll, I'll sort it out at some stage. I can put twenty bucks down. Well, Torsten's like, got his betting thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, and if I do it, then you got to pay twenty bucks, and all that money will go to charity. I won't pocket it. Um, so if you know if, if twenty people do it, then we have four hundred bucks. So you 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 you're, you're going to win age group at Ironman New Zealand. Yeah. Fast. Twenty no, no, come no, out. When, when age. A fast age group overall, not winning yeah. my, my age group. No, overall. Group. Yeah. I don't care about run times. I do care about them. I want to run fast. Who would be but, your competitors? Um, probably Aussies coming over. So he doesn't even think any New Zealanders is good enough. Brody Madgwick, he's a good Kiwi guy. <coughs> um, Rob Creasy, he'd kick my ass if he has a good race. Um, so it's certainly not a done deal. Come, on, Rob. Gonna... Come on, Rob, do the race. Yeah. Do the race. He didn't race very well this year. I, uh, see? I would have smoked him. See? So it's easy to talk a good game. Oh, well, you are. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> got to go out there and do it. And so, then, so anyway, so then, so then you got to make up his nickname. So Richard Swan donated. So he, so he donated money to the show. Thank you, Richard. And what, yeah. what, what was your nickname? Richard Speedwalker Swan. <laughs> Speedwalker Swan. <laughs> Love that, Swanee. Craig Kirkwood, if you're listening, make sure you call him Speedwalker every time. And Dino Gaskin, just call him Speedwalker whenever you see him. Speedwalker. <laughs> He's going to hate that. I think Swanee Noah. I'm going to go Swanee Noah. Uh, next one. Amy, the Express, Passingham. Nice. Why? I just thought Passingham sounds a little bit like passenger, and I thought the Express train. Yeah. Express. How's his name, John? Christopher Jerker. Jerker. Christopher Jerker, smooth ghost. Nice. Because a ghost, you're not sure if you see them or not. Mm. And he's like, Christopher, because he's so fast. You're like, did I see him? 
He's yep. off in the distance. No, it's not. It must be a ghost. Ah, oh, yes, no? yes, yes. Okay. David Phillips, the landlord. Nice. He owns you. Nice. You know that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sue Harwood. She's the steam engine. Sue the steam engine Harwood. Nice. She just chugs along. Raymond Pinero, regular contributor. Oh, he's a legend. Grandmaster. He must be one of the biggest contributors, wouldn't he? I think so. He's pretty great, old Graham. Do you know why Raymond? I've done the next one? James Reed. Um, the lead man. Do you know why I've done that? Uh, no. The lead singer of the Feelers. James oh. Reed. <laughs> James Reed, you're the, the lead man. You know nothing about pop, pop culture. Which he was, that one he out was of? my school. Oh, was that one? Yeah. Were they, were they in a band? Uh, he was in the choir. He wasn't in the band. He wasn't he was like one of the rock lead, He was the lead chorister. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I feel like quite a good New Zealand band. Yeah. 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 Some good songs. And then I did Alan McLean, and I've called him the haymaker because he makes, he makes hay when the sun is shining. Nice. There we go. So if you want to donate to this show, go to www.iamtalk.me and uh, look for the donation. We've got to wrap this up. This is going to be a long show. Do we have any Iron finishes? Uh, we'll do that next week. We wouldn't have had many. We'll do it next week. So if you're doing Ironman Melbourne this weekend, good luck. Um, make sure you go onto our page, uh, iamtalk.me, and tell us about your finish. Go community and then tell us about your finish, and we'll start reading them out, plus any belated ones from Ironman New Zealand. Okay. That sounds good. Yep. John. Yep. Sponsors? Do we have any other sponsors? No, I think we've done it. Coffeesofwire.com. Yes. Athlinks.com. Oh, yeah. Extreme Endurance. Oh, yeah. SLS Try. There was one watch him in. SLS Try. Yes. Oh, yeah. John, what you got? Uh, Well, I'm race. What am I? I think I'm called race manager. For the New Zealand Secondary Schools, this you're the manager. Two, two days time, basically the race sort of sort of the race directory type thing. So it's a bit full on. So this week, Project 2014 is going to be taking a bit of a hit because it basically takes me out for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So minimal training on those three days. So um, praying like anything that this weather is going to clear because it is freezing out there. Um, but uh, we've got really really good entries for. Uh, for the race, I think we've got about you know, 700 people or so, 700 entries or so for the uh, New Zealand Secondary Schools for the swim and the team's race and the and the triathlon all combined. So it's looking good. I see the future champions coming through. Outside of that, Bevan, I've got a couple of challenging bike sessions coming up, Project 2014. Today, oh, really? today I have to do a 40k um, at 5% below FTP, which is going to be quite hard. 40k? Mm. So well, FTP is basically for the, yeah, you guys who don't know is is was your, it's basically your forty k time trial effort. So only five k five percent below FTP for forty k's. So that is going to be really really hard, and uh, I'm going to be interested to see how. Well, it's a good day for it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hope it clears up. And then I've got a sixteen k time trial on uh, on Saturday that I'm going to do. So that's going to be my benchmark, one of my benchmarks. So I'm going to be really interested to see if we've got any progress. And outside of that, Bevan. Uh, that is my week. It's going to be a bit of a nut bar week. John, I was just on our Facebook page, yes. and we, we haven't even, we've only just talked about the betting system on the show. Mm-hmm. But Tony Buckingham, he's got. Sorry, John Newsom, I've got twenty on Dino Gaskin for twenty fourteen. Have you? Did you just post it? Did you? No, no, it's, it's yeah. But did you just post it while I was talking? Ten hours ago. No, no, I didn't. I even no, I didn't even put anything on Facebook. The words on the street, John. <laughs> really? The words on the street. Dino Gaskin, I thought you were retired. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's gone down. You guys are going down. <laughs> just that. Oh, well. Just that. So just, just that. Look, it's easy to talk a good race. And I talked up a good 10K the other day and I was um, yep, miserable. You did didn't you? you know, I'm going to back myself that I'm going to have a pretty good race. And uh, I don't think I'll be going sub nine or anything like that. But I, I was looking at flipping um, 
What's her name? Meredith Kessler's swim time. I was like, 47 minutes. John, you're not beating her. If she comes back, you're not beating her. I am. No, I don't think you are, because I think it's a slow course. It is a slow course. I agree with that. Um, but I, she's going down. I don't know. I, don't know. I think you're going to get checked. I'm, I'm, I might give you age group, but I'm going to put money on my mate. I reckon if I win age group. you're my mate. And, uh, if I win age group, I'm going to win. Uh, I'll be beating, beating her. If I'm fastest age group, I'll be Did she beat the beat fastest her. age group this time? I can't remember. Okay, John, a couple of things about people who I met. Mm. I had my runners on Saturday. Mm-hmm. We had like 150 runners. It was awesome. But what was really cool was we have our 5K, 10K run days the, mm-hmm. the last day, which is really awesome. And then I'm just sitting up, talking along, making lots of noises I do. And good old Ken, some guy just ran past. He goes, Bevan. I don't know who he was. He just, and mm. I said, hey. He goes, I listened to the show. Nice. And, uh, and I don't know what show he was talking about. And then he goes, I listen to the talk. And Ken... And he yes. did Ironman New Zealand, I think, two years ago. Mm. And then he did it in 2011. Nice. And it was a really cold, bad day. Mm. And he's going back. I think he's coming back. 2014, uh, everybody's on the line. I don't know if he's doing 2014, but he did say, look, I think I could take John out in the age groups. Right. So, so Ken, it was nice being Ken. And I actually caught up for coffee with Warwick John Fahey. All right. Yeah, for a couple of weeks ago. And uh, and uh, for those of you who don't know much about Warwick John, of Warwick John Fahey, he's, he's, a, he's a bit of a guru when it comes to public speaking. Right. Like a real guru, like mm. one of the world's best. Mm. And he's got a really good book, which he gave to me, and I've been reading, and it's really good. It's called The One Minute Presenter. You've and been if, on about this a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah but the, he gave me the book, and I've actually finally been reading it. It's really, really good. And so I'm just thinking, if you're someone out there who has to do public speaking and you're not that comfortable in it, um, go check out his website. I'll put a link to it on www.imtalk.me, but it's warwickjohnfahey.com, and he's got some great content on the, on the website as well, but also just if you want to get a good book to kind of maybe help you on that skill. What do they say? They say... People would rather die than do public speaking. Yeah, that doesn't bother me at all. No, neither. I don't yeah. As long as you know more than people on the other side. <laughs> well, you back yourself that you know more than people yeah, on the other side. Yeah, as long as you talk crap, basically, isn't um, it? I'm going on to our we, – we use a thing called Squarespace for our website um, hosting, and I'm going on there now, and I'm going to create a little form for people to bet against me um, <laughs> for <laughs> – how are they going to put the money into it? Well, we'll have to square up at the end and take people's honesty. We'll, we'll set up a uh, – No, you could probably do it through PayPal. You probably have a, a fund. I'll sort it out later. But I'll, I'll put up the form. We'll sort it out now and then I'll send everybody an email saying, close to the race. Right, put your money so where your mouth is. Put your is. money where your mouth is. So we'll do it in one hit. John, than. just lastly, on the weekend, yep. we went around to Pachorno, the Porno's house, mm-hmm. and uh, Joe and Porno did Jamie Oliver. Who's going? Yeah. <laughs> 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 that was a good call. <laughs> Joe and Porno, they did a um, Jamie Oliver 30-minute meal oh, dinner. Yeah, yeah we've, we've got that book. It's good. Well, what they did, which is really cool, is they went and chose one of the meals, mm. and then they said, okay, let's go to the supermarket, buy all the ingredients, and then put it together and make the meal. And Did they do it in 30 minutes? Well, <laughs> that's debatable, because yeah. the thing is, John, it's, the 30-minute starts once you turn on the heat. Right. So prep doesn't count. Oh, doesn't it? No, and so they did a bit, of, a bit of prep, and they had to go obviously go get the food. Yeah. So to be honest, it was probably more like an hour 20. Right. But I think once they pushed the start button, I think they're about two minutes over. Right. But they delivered on the food, John. Okay. They even made a drink. They made like a lemonade mint drink. Yeah. And then they made um, some beautiful thing with fish. Yeah, yeah. And then beautiful dessert as well. Right, but it was nice. quite a fun night. Yeah, yeah. And you know what I did? What? Not much. Not much. <laughs> Steph and I, we played backgammon. Nice. She beat me. Broke my heart because I'm pretty good at backgammon. Yeah, yeah. She kept throwing doubles. Oh, dear. You can't compete when someone keeps throwing double sixes. You can't. Can you play backgammon? You can't compete. Yeah, no. <laughs> can you? He's not even listening to me. I'm <laughs> setting up this page, this betting page. I've, I've had enough. You bloody Wellingtonians. 
<laughs> Wellington against Christchurch. I'm putting my money on you, Tim. Right, so it's going under community. Go on to imtalk.me under community. You're going to do this right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, we actually, the show to finish. It's a, it's a form. It's a form, isn't it? It's not an HTML page. Okay. Um, Iron Russ, Simon, don't train hard to train smart. I'm out of here. No, we do it properly. Okay. Go. Iron Russ. I mean, don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kia car. Come on, Yusuf, you can do it. I'll, I'll be there for you. Am I going to come up to Tapo with you? You really should. Oh, should I? Do I get fundraised for that? The fillinator hasn't entered yet, and uh, we've got to get him entered. And his wife crashed the car lots yesterday. So, uh, <gasps> that's, uh, really? Is she okay? I oh, know she crashed. She, yeah, I've got to tell this because she's. Uh, <laughs> firstly, I think she crashed uh, the roof box into the garage. Oh, that's an image of mistake that is. That's an image of That's your. Oh, no! And then apparently she came back later in the day. Same, same day? Same day. <laughs> she opened the garage. And then she's driving me in the garage door, started closing and crushed in front of the bonnet. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Philanator. <laughs> Poor Philanator. What about her? Oh yeah. Poor Damn. thing. Yeah. Anyway, I think the show finished about five yeah. minutes, twenty minutes ago. <laughs> okay. Look for the bed in sight. Yeah. See you guys next week. <laughs>